BFFT. From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. I thought that was pretty cool last night on Thursday Night Football to watch Baker Mayfield on a couple of days of practice, winging a prayer, drive his team down to win. Raiders obviously reeling, but the Rams going nowhere this season, but doing it in a fun fashion. I thought Thursday Night Football delivered. I can't help but tell you that uh, I was also watching the broadcast, wondering if the way they shoot the game, it was a little video game-like. You know, they use that overhead camera a little more than the normal broadcast, that floating camera that you see hanging out behind the quarterback during play. I, I couldn't help but wonder if that's what Pac-12 football games are going to look like someday. Bob Thompson, former Fox Sports Network's president, will be on today's show in the 3 o'clock hour. I'm going to talk to him about a variety of things. The college football playoff media rights, bowl games, Pac-12, what's the value of Deion Sanders in the Pac-12 conference versus not in the Pac-12 conference, and why is it that media executives take the last two weeks of the year off? We're being told hey, if there's not a deal uh, by December 15th that they just go home for the winter. Or maybe they already are home. And George Klyafov, Pac-12 commissioner, uh, is also signaling that the, the meteorites deal for the Pac-12 conference will likely get done in quarter one. So don't expect something in the next uh, couple of weeks except some Christmas shopping, some Christmas music the night before Christmas. Very likely played on this radio show starring one and only Bill Shonley. Probably hear that on the last broadcast before Christmas. But I want to turn the focus on today's show to meteorites, to the Pac-12's future. We'll, uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, going to talk to Kelly Graves, University of Oregon women's basketball coach who has it cooking in Eugene. He's gonna He's got a rant on his mind. He reached out to me yesterday and he said, hey, when do you do that thing where people rant? And I'm like, that's Friday. That's what's your peeve on a Friday. And get this, Peter Sampson. Get this, uh, Stephen. Uh, Kelly Graves is like, uh, I have a rant. Can I come on today? And so he's coming on the show. He's got a rant. I love it. That's what it's for, right? That's what you always tell all the fans is, you know what? If you got something on your chest, don't let it linger to the weekend. Get it out. This is a safe place to do it. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear what Kelly Graves has to say, what he's beefing about, what he's peeving about. I don't want him to go to the weekend holding that inside. You know, I had a friend. I got a friend last night who who texted me. Do you know? You ever see somebody melt down and think it's funny why they're melting down? Have you guys ever seen somebody in a public setting? I don't know if it's a customer who like is going on a Karen rant, or if it's a friend or a neighbor, or even one of your parents, or even your significant other who is normally buttoned up, who just has a meltdown, but inside you are dying laughing and watching them melt down have you ever had that scenario yeah i try not to i try to be understanding but uh absolutely i have <laughs> all right so uh, we don't want that scenario we don't want kelly graves on the bench just losing his marbles not because he's getting a bad call in a football or in a basketball game but because he's carrying around something that he wants to get off his chest so he's coming on he's gonna rant speaking of that you know i had a friend years ago i was covering the nfl and remember when Howie Long was on the broadcast, uh, he was part of the Fox crew that was generally on assignment in a stadium. He was the analyst that was uh, on one of the Fox, uh, probably their best crew. 
and um, I was I was at Candlestick Park, and I had a coworker who was working at a newspaper that I was working for, and this coworker was very uptight, and he was a buttoned-up guy, but he was uptight. Like if something went wrong, he was one of these people that just tended to lose it and would overreact if something didn't go right. Like if he had a tech problem or he went to park in the stadium and the parking lot wasn't open or his parking pass wasn't for the right lot or he got to the stadium and he'd forgotten his credential or, uh, you know, on this occasion it was it was a Sunday afternoon game that had kicked off at like – it was like the 1 o'clock game. I believe it was the Packers and 49ers, if I can remember correctly. It was late season. If not, might have been a playoff game. So it might have been a December playoff game because I can remember it being a big game. I can remember it being high stakes because this dude absolutely melted down on deadline. And I've seen writers on deadline. We've all seen people who deal with stressful situations lose it. And I think it's really interesting to watch people. And I always think of the Al Pacino quote in, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, Demons and Angels where Al Pacino plays basically the devil. And he basically says, hey, you squeeze two people, one of them focuses, and the other one loses it. Well, uh, this guy was of the second kind. If you squeezed him a little, he would lose it. And I remember being at this game, and it was raining. It just started raining towards the end of the game. And at Candlestick Park, you have to you have to leave the Candlestick Park, or you, back in the day when it existed, you have to leave the press box. You have to go down like 70s style elevator all the way to the ground floor, and then you have to walk out across the field. You'd basically be on like the concourse of the lower level. You'd have to walk down the stairs onto the field, then go through the tunnel into the locker room. It was a hike. Like from the locker room to the press box, it was an absolute hike. And I got to be honest with you, um, years later when I worked with Skip Bayless at the San Jose Mercury News, Skip often would not go to the locker room because he didn't want to walk down and walk across the field and walk over there. He was, you know, he was interested in doing television and being around for the TV cameras. And and uh, so uh, on this particular day where the Niners played the Packers, it was raining, or it started raining near the end of the game. And we go down to the locker room. They do the post-game news conference. You know, you're not worried about getting something online because there was no urgency to getting something online. Like in today's world, a lot of writers, and sometimes myself included, will be hustling because you uh, want very quickly to be able to post. And I and I really do sort of pride myself on, you know, being good and uh, informative and taking readers somewhere that they have never been or can't see on TV and also being pretty fast about it. And I write fast. And so um, I can remember on this particular day going to the Niners locker room and I think they beat the Packers in a playoff game and then going back to the press box. And when we got back to the press box, I was horrified because the press box roof at Candlestick Park on that particular day leaked. And uh, several of the laptops that were left by writers who were on press row had drips that were coming like directly down, landing like square in the middle of the keyboard. Like it would be the worst, it would be essentially like spilling a glass of water very slowly, drip, 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 right into the middle of your laptop. It happens. There's nothing you can do about it. It's unfortunate. Like I could see people being upset or stressing out about it. But my buddy happened to be sitting next to me. And one of his computer was one of the computers that got the worst of it.
and mine didn't get touched. It was almost like there was an umbrella from heaven right over the top of my laptop, and I was dry, bone dry in my area, but his area was like drip, drip, drip right on the laptop. So we got back to the press box, and he spent considerable amount of time like hanging the laptop upside down, trying to get it dried, putting it in front of the heater. He asked for a hair dryer. You know, it was a bunch of that stuff going on. But ultimately, as he was prone to do, he melted down. Like, I think a lot of people would have just gone, hey, it happens. This is horrific. Uh, I can't control it. It's out of my hands. Like, what are you going to do? Get mad? But my, my friend, Stanley, had a complete meltdown in the press box. Now, it's quiet when you're on deadline. People are writing. It's almost library-like, if, if I can make an a, equation. Like, you know, a lot. the game is noisy. The fans are noisy. The, the game itself has got a lot of piped-in sound into the press box. But after everybody's gone home from the stadium, and it's just writers in the press box, you really can just overhear the conversations that are going on, like down the press box, usually between uh, interns who are, you know don't quite understand, like people are trying to work, and so they're talking about their roommate or their thing, and they don't realize like 30 people are listening while they're writing on deadline, and it's very quiet. But while that was happening, uh, I finished writing, I filed, I packed my stuff up, and I sort of backed away from my coworker because I knew he was bubbling, and he was going to at some point lose his stuff. And sure enough, when he tried to start his computer back up after drying it out, drying it out, whatever, and it's a company computer. It wasn't even like it was his money. It wasn't like he was upset for himself. The company's going to replace it. It was just a major frustration for him. He started losing it. He started taking the laptop, and he was at the back of the press box, and he was banging it against the wall, just cussing and banging it against the wall and going, eh, why would this roof leak? And, you know, he was going off. And I'm about 15 to 20 yards away back over towards like, you know, almost where the elevator is to exit. And I'm kind of watching this scene going, you know, now I realize like if I would have had a phone on him, it would have been a pretty funny scene to like, uh, but I'm trying not to laugh. And at this very moment, Howie Long, the broadcaster, former player, emerges from the broadcast booth because they've finished their broadcast. He's packed his stuff up. He's happened to be sitting in there with whoever he was sitting in there with, Pat Summerall or whoever was his co his co-star at the time, I can't even remember. And Howie comes out, and I don't know him, you know, at all, like on a first-name basis, but I know who Howie Long is. And he looks at me, and he goes, what's that guy's problem? And I go, I think the roof leaked on his laptop. And he's like, oh. And then he looks at me, and he says, do you know him? And I said, nope, because it was embarrassing that the dude was losing his stuff. And, you know, Howie Long's asking me if I know the guy. So I pretended not to know him, but I thought about that. As I was, you know, talking to and texting with Kelly Graves because Kelly Graves was saying, hey, when, when do you do that rant thing? I've got one. I want to share it. And I was like, I don't want Kelly Graves carrying that stress into his weekend. He's got a big weekend coming up. He has a big college basketball game coming up that we're going to talk about. And I want Kelly Graves to come into his weekend coaching his game tomorrow with a clear conscience and with a uh, happy heart. You know, they've got a game against Oregon State on Sunday. It'll be the Beavers and the Ducks. Those games are always huge. And so I want him in a good place. 
But guys, do you like? Do we work with anybody who has that kind of meltdown? Like, you look at them, they're buttoned up, but when you see them losing their garbage, they're just, uh, it's hilarious, but you can never let them know. <laughs> we did. I won't name them, but a former employee here was like that, and I witnessed something fairly similar. But I feel like like everyone here uh, understands adversity, understands that it hits, and I think we're all able to power through. Yeah. Most, yeah, you don't see me when we have a technical problem on my end and I'm pounding on the console. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, don't, I haven't noticed anybody yet. You know, I'm still relatively new here, so there's a lot of things I haven't seen, John. But uh, I think everyone pretty, here, pretty much here is good. I mean, so what is the difference between the people who lose it and, like, what do you do personally? Because everybody can relate to this. When you have that moment where you're about to snap, what is it that keeps you from snapping? Uh, for me, it's that honestly, I've gone through so much nonsense in my life and especially becoming a parent, like you learn, like you have control over way less than you thought you did, especially when they're really little, like you're kind of at the whims of a toddler and you realize none of this matters. None of this matters. It's okay. We're all good. And I've just sort of learned to to let go. So I definitely get frustrated in those moments. But you go, you know, it's okay to feel frustrated. Anyone else would feel frustrated. But does this really matter? Like a year from now, is this going to be gnawing at me? Probably not. Let's just get through it. Even 15 minutes from now. Like I, I think <laughs> about that with the kids. Like when I'm just about to lose it and I walk away, I'm like, if I, if I lose it right now in 15 minutes, I'm going to feel dumb about it. And I'm going to regret it. So let's hold on to that wisdom. How about you, Stephen? Yeah, for me, it's I, it's very unhealthy. I keep it mostly just bottled in, and then I kind of explode every couple months. So uh, I, don't, I don't really do a good job uh, of it Like in my personal life. In work life, I will say, uh, like I usually don't get too frustrated when I'm working. I, I'm pretty good at letting it roll off my chest. I think that just comes from my uh, competitive nature, like playing sports and stuff. Like I understand I'm not going to be perfect, even though I strive to be as per, as perfect as I can be, but uh, yeah, personally, I, I do struggle with that. I will say uh, in my home life, like I'm not afraid to admit it. Like that does happen for me, so I'm still working on it, uh, but I'm not great at it yet. All right, so one of the things too that that gets me is like I think sports is great for this because we all know, like even last night, look at the Rams. It was frustration. It was futility. They could do nothing. They were garbage. Baker Mayfield was like 12 for his first 20. They were going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, they kind of just put it together and drove down the field twice in a row, including, you know, that last game-winning drive where he throws the touchdown pass, and it's it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, what people see is they see the end result. We see the highlight at the end where Baker Mayfield is throwing, you know, the, the touchdown pass and headbutting his teammates on the sideline and celebrating. But what we don't realize is like if you are literally looking at what happened in the last, you know, 30 seconds of that game, you're missing the story. The story was adversity, adversity, adversity. They fought through it. He fought through it. Hell, he shouldn't even have been there. He's cut, you know, by the Panthers, uh, you know, four days earlier. The Rams pick him up. He books a flight. He's He doesn't even know the plays, and he's making the plays out on the field. I mean, there's something to be said for – the fact that you know that, you know, we always hear this in sports. It's like you're going to get knocked down and there's going to be failure. And the best players who fail 70% of the time in baseball, you know, have a shot to get to the Hall of Fame because those are those are 300 hitters. But all we hear is Baker Mayfield's last two plays on, on, uh, on Thursday night football. Mayfield throws. That's caught. That's a first down. Here's Skoranek to the 22. Now Mayfield gets up, it's up there. He's got to spike it here. 
Second and ten. Mayfield to the end zone to Jefferson. Is that possible? Touchdown. This is impossible. They go 98 yards. That's good for 23. 98 yards. Baker Mayfield summed it up afterwards, said, you know, this was this was amazing. Uh, he was asked where it ranked in his career. Playing at a high level and everything that you've done, how would you put this in perspective career-wise? This is up there for uh, all time. <laughs> this is up there, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I had... Sean, Liam, and, and Zach Robinson helped me study for since I landed. Um, didn't think it was going to play out like this, but I am sure happy we covered the two-minute operation. My goodness. <laughs> how, so, how, how was it, though? I mean, going into that just a little bit, tell us how you're able to learn that offense so quickly. Did they bring concepts concepts that you had had before, or what was the process with that? Because it was amazing. I was just telling Fitzy, uh, you know, originally I was angry about having to go through many, so many coaching changes and learn so many new things, but that for sure helped right there. Uh, just learning protections first and then just talking with those guys on offense about the, you know, the concepts that I like. And luckily I've, I run a lot of them um, and they put some good plays out there and put me in a good position to win. Very simple explanation, a whole bunch of frustration that came for about two and a half hours before that on Thursday night football. Maybe that's important to remember that stuff when you're about to melt down because I'm sure Baker Mayfield at different points uh, thought about melting down on Thursday night. Leave it here. Uh, we've got so much ahead, including Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sports Network's president. He's going to join us coming up in about 12 minutes. He's going to give us kind of a primer for what will be ahead on the horizon, the near horizon in the Pac-12 when it comes to media rights. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750, The Game. We were just talking about the World Cup and uh, how we should be picking teams. What would you guys think today? Croatia. Croatia in PKs. Yeah, man, I uh, I had said I had Brazil winning the whole thing. They lost, and then Netherlands, Argentina. I mean, what another crazy match! Uh, I actually bet on that game. I had Netherlands, so that made me sad. But uh, I mean, it was incredible. Just how, is there anything more you... exciting than like PKs in soccer? Like those are so exciting. Do you think they should, or do you think they should just play until you know sudden death? Somebody wins. I think they should play until someone wins. I, I I don't like PKs deciding a World Cup elimination. I agree with you. I don't like it. Um, if I was playing, I think as a viewer, I like to watch. I think it's yeah. very, um, very uh, intriguing. But as like a competitor, like that would be like saying in the NBA, they just do a three-point contest to decide the game. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Or That's a field not, goal contest yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> By the way, how how confident do you feel wagering on soccer? Is this something you do year-round or no, just no. it's the World Cup? Hey, you got to have a dog in the fight. Yeah, World Cup. I, I got a soccer guy. I know who we like, so I, I had Netherlands. He likes Netherlands, and he was you wrong, so I'm mad at him. Guy. You got a soccer guy. So uh, Argentina advances 4-3 in uh, PKs over Netherlands, and Croatia upsets Brazil 4-2. Uh, and they advance. Um, tomorrow, you have Morocco and Portugal, and you have England and France. If the trend is your friend, guys, it's going to PKs tomorrow. Yeah, very possible. I'm rooting for Morocco all the way. I want to see an African nation do it uh, for the first time. But I, two 
amazing games today. I mean, the World Cup is always great. I love it. I'm not even a huge soccer guy, but I just love, you know, it's like the Olympics meets, you know, you know soccer. And that Croatia-Brazil game, it wasn't even just that it went to PKs, but Croatia, they, it was like the 116th minute they scored and tied it up. I was watching it here at the station. It was just unbelievable. It's interesting because I was watching uh, Brazil play, I want to say Cameroon, in uh, in the uh, group uh, the, in the pool play, and it didn't matter. Like they Brazil didn't need to win; they were going to advance anyway. And Cameroon beat them one nothing. And I was in the sports book in Vegas when Cameroon scored that goal, and people went nuts <laughs> watching it. And I kind of wondered if Brazil, because they were in this position in their in their uh, pool play, where they didn't have to compete, it was almost like a team that clinches a a buy in the playoffs kind of coasting into the elimination round. I kind of wondered even though they beat South Korea 4 to 1, I kind of wondered if Brazil might be vulnerable, but I you know, I don't know if enough about soccer. I don't pretend to be an expert on it. And I I thought, well, maybe they just flipped the switch and apparently Croatia flipped the switch. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> They seemed strong. I mean, you would assume, especially having Neymar, that they would be able to get it done, you know, down the stretch in crunch time. But it just goes to show that's what makes these games so straight. Anything can happen at any time. And then, I mean, to your point that you don't love PKs, but, I mean, there's sort of a randomized element to it. So they were lucky enough to get that huge goal before the end of extra time, and then they just lucked out with the kicks. It, it's, right. it just goes to show, like, how cool a bracket can be. Wouldn't that be cool if we had one for college football? Yeah, and that that like Brazil would be the equivalent of Ohio State or Georgia, right? I mean, who who is Brazil? Are they are they in your mind? Are they the the one seed in this tournament? Yeah. They the two seed? Like where yeah. are they? Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet uh, saying Brazil going in the tournament. I believe was like three or four to one to win the tournament. Croatia was fifty to one. That's literally the exact same as uh, Georgia and TCU. Or, I mean, yeah, Georgia TCU start season. Yeah, so. Argentina and Croatia will play in the semi in one semifinal. The other will be decided. Who do we want? You want Morocco to beat Portugal? Is that what you're thinking, Peter? I in do, just order? for some chaos. Okay, and then England and France. Where? Who are we with here? Is it fish and chips or is it the Frenchies? <laughs> what are we thinking? I, I mean, the the defending champs always seem to struggle the next time, and here France is going again. I I'd like to see them advance just so we could almost have a little bit of a dynasty. But I mean, the English team is fun too. Feels like Argentina's year. They getting they're getting yeah. Croatia in the semifinal. Come on, it's going to be a cakewalk for them. All right. So coming up, Bob Thompson, former president, Fox Sports Networks. I'm going to ask him about the Pac-12 media rights. Uh, Deion Sanders to Colorado. Does that really add value? I don't think it does. But let's talk about the ways in which it might add some value to the Pac-12. And what is it about the final two weeks of the year when it comes to these media companies? They shut down. They go away. The Pac-12 will come back in 2023 trying to get a deal done. Bob Thompson, he used to make these deals on behalf of Fox Sports Networks. He was the president. He's joining us next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. About a year ago, I didn't know squat about media rights, what television companies, media companies valued when it came to media rights. I just sort of waited like a bird to be fed, and uh, I would get the news. Oh, they have a new deal. Don't they have a new deal? Uh, there was a lot of confusion. Um, I uh, encountered as a source Bob Thompson, the former 
president of Fox Sports Networks. He's done hundreds of these deals. He's been at this for years and years and years and years. He's retired now. And I asked him, I said, look, I say, there's a public service element to this because everybody's talking about how important it is to college football, college athletics, sports in general. We don't have to limit it just to college athletics, but uh, he's done a lot of good work. And, he, you know, he can blame me for getting on Twitter. I told him to get on Twitter, and he did. And now he's got quite a following there, and he's educating a lot of people, doing a little bit of consulting, I'm sure. And he's joining us now. And uh, thank you, Bob Thompson, for making time for us. My pleasure, John. Good to be back again. Let's uh, let's dive in. All right. So, you know, the Pac-12 is, you know, in this ongoing negotiation for their media rights. And, you know, I, I keep hearing, uh, you know, December 14th is the Regents meeting with UCLA. But uh, December 15th, the media companies go away. What happens on December 15th in these media companies, Bob? Tell us tell us about the industry. I don't know. I must have missed that memo of the 25 years I was in the business because <laughs> the last half of December is extremely busy. You've got a ton of events going on. So, you know, we're not unlike, you know, journalists in that we work all day. We go to an event that night. We get on a plane on the weekend and go to another event. And we get home a Sunday night and we do it all over again the whole next week. So this whole idea that, you know, the media business shuts down at that second half of the of the holidays or the second half of December is a bit of a fallacy. You know, maybe the movie side or the entertainment side, but for sports, it's extremely busy. I mean, every year up to the last stroke of the clock on midnight, there's some negotiation going on for some channel to get carried on your cable system. And if it's not done, it gets thrown off. So people are not only are they work in the second half, they're working right up till the last stroke of midnight on the 31st. I know why I go to games. Like I go to the PAC 12 championship game because I want to talk to people there and talk to sources and see the game up close and write about it and maybe take my readers and listeners somewhere that they can't go. Why would a media executive go out to an event and actually be on site? Well, certainly if it's a game that you're producing, there's there's a, a need to be there just in case, you know, the sky falls. But e even if it's not a game that you're actually producing, but it's just a big event, say, for instance, um, you know, sports, especially on the right side of things, is such a relationship business. You need to be seen. You need to be there. You need to, you know, press the flesh. And, you know, it's just very important part of the business so that they know you're you're as invested in this business as as they are. Bob Thompson with us, former president, Fox Sports Networks. Uh, Deion Sanders comes to Colorado and it brings some some buzz with him. And immediately we see George Klyovkov talking, and at first he says, you know, hey, this uh, you know this was a reason maybe to uh, to to hold off the negotiation or delay our negotiation, as if Dion is adding value like nominal value to the media rights picture what was your reaction when you saw all that and then subsequently Klyovkov kind of walked that back a little bit and explained it but what was just the general feel of Deion Sanders and his value to the Pac-12 well I think Deion definitely brings some value to the Pac-12 I think um, you know anytime you get exposure of things like that that's certainly um, important for the conference from a financial standpoint though I think the value is mostly going to be in Boulder um, you know, certainly from a attendance standpoint, from a donor standpoint, from a 
ticket standpoint, uh, sponsorship deals, maybe their radio deals up, things like that that could be renegotiated and monetized. But from a national standpoint, and say I'm a national media partner with the conference, I don't really look at who's coaching what. Um, you know, they might help Colorado win some more games, but that just means that some other school in the, in the conference is going to lose more games. And so you don't really look at conferences per se. Plus, I assume they are fairly far down the road on this, and I can't imagine uh, on the re- renewal, and I can't imagine the TV guys sitting there going, oh, okay, now, now Dion's there, um, so let's pay him more money in, you know, for a deal that hasn't even started in a couple of years. So I don't, I don't think that it's going to – you know, increase the dollars. And I was, I was happy to see the commissioner kind of walk that statement back. But I think there's a benefit to see you. I mean, look at it this way, John, I was looking and there's been like during this current TV deal, it started in like 2012. There's still got another year to go. So there's probably going to be more. There's been 42 PAC 12 head coaches. Hmm. Wow. So you're going to tell me that one guy, it's, you know, it's, the odds are kind of stacked against him. And yeah. so it just doesn't make sense that it's going to be – I think it's great for the conference, don't get me wrong. I think it's great for CU. I lived in Colorado a long time. I've known Rick George for a lot of years. And I think they, they made a, a real bold move. And I, I really hope it works out for them because they, they needed to make that kind of move. Is there – you know, help us with media rights and co- sort of what, what they would include – you know, I heard people talking about could there be a reality television show if they signed with somebody like, uh, you know, if Amazon is part of their package, could they include, hey, we're going to allow you uh, additional access and additional rights for some other things? Would that would that be included in a traditional deal, or is is that a deal that maybe Colorado cuts? Who owns those rights? Yeah, I think it just depends on on the scenario. Um, you know, if I'm Dion's folks, I'm thinking they probably think Dion's going to lose rights, but right. <laughs> you know, there's probably some combination of the conference, the institution and, and the coach. And I think that's a very, you know, possible idea um, for some sort of a, you know, for lack of a better word, we'll call it a hard knocks type show. And I know the PAC 12 has done some shows, PAC 12 networks has done some shows like that as well. And I think that's, that's the, I mean, clearly, right now, that is the uh, number one candidate for that type of a show with DCU, just because of the newness, just because it's Dion. I mean, he's a very big, big, big personality, and um, I think it would be a great thing. Now, again, that's not going to really necessarily play into the rights deal for the value of the games uh, in the terms of football, basketball, et cetera. But it's still, that's great for the conference. Somebody asked me about foreign rights, and they asked me, you know, they said, look, there's a market in China that Larry Scott tried to tap into with the China initiative, and I meant to ask you about it. You know, how do foreign rights, how are those handled, and how different is that from the the media rights that we're generally talking about domestically here? You can get a little bit of traction on foreign rights. They tend to like like, uh, uh, men's and women's basketball more than they like college football. Um, it's not a huge, huge market. I think it's important to expose your product over there. And I think it's important to potentially attract students from over there uh, to your institutions. But in terms of it being a, a, a big 
um, you know, money outlet, not a huge thing. But the exciting thing about, you know, with some of these new streaming technologies is, you know, you put a sluggier product on Prime, it's, it's available everywhere. It's not just the United States. You know, they can flip a switch, and that, that can go from, you know, Shanghai to Rio and all points in between. So um, that's another good reason to have a streamer, whereas, you know, if, it's, if you're dealing with networks, you've got to go country by country, you know, platform by platform around the world. It's, very, it's a very, very laborious process to get those rights distributed. Bob Thompson, former president, Fox Sports Networks, is with us. Um, you know, the the blend, we've talked about this before, but I kind of want to just get, you know, as you marinate with this, and it it feels to me, and I'm not the expert, you are, that the Pac-12 is dealing with some new partners here. Otherwise, this deal would have just been as done as quickly as the Big 12's, um, you know, rubber stamp, let's, let's renew this. Um, the blend in your mind with a streamer, linear, pr- traditional providers, what's the right balance that if, if you were advising on this, Bob, that you would advise the Pac-12 to seek? Well, I think you, you want to have ESPN and NBC, you know, your kind of your linear cable and broadcast networks be your uh, primary outlets for the highest profile events. You know, the, the reach allotted by the linear networks, be it broadcast or cable, is still, you know, well beyond what the streaming can do. There was um, some information that came out recently that shows that if you're looking at entertainment programming, stre- people watch streaming almost as much as they watch broadcasting cable networks for entertainment programming. But when it comes to sports, nearly 97% of all sports is consumed on broadcast and cable linear networks as opposed to streaming. So it's very little sports on streaming at this point. You've got some ESPN stuff. You've got the prime game. You've got, you know, you will have the MLS games, things like that. But for sports, the, the tr- traditional bundle continues to be the, the primary source for viewing. So I think, you know, the big, the Pac-12 would be smart to continue to do that with the primary events, but they're also going to, you know, Amazon's not going to just say, okay, we want all what's left. So Amazon's, Amazon's definitely going to have a taste of things. I'm still interested to see how ultimately the Pac-12 networks plays into this, this whole thing. And I think that could be one of the reasons why it's, it's taking so long um, to, for this deal to get done, because it's clearly a new paradigm going forward, different you know, compared to what has been in the past, I still believe and I'm still hearing that Fox is not in. Fox is full up. They're very happy with what they've got and um, never say never. But it seems to me that that ESPN Amazon drum is beating pretty loudly. Bob Thompson with us, former president, Fox Sports Networks. The value of the media rights with UCLA versus without, we've touched on this before. You've drilled deep, deep on it. Um, you know, there's a big decision coming next week, five days from now. It's likely that UCLA's gone um, in going to the Big Ten, so it's likely they'll be without it. But let's just say if uh, they're putting these two figures in front of the Regents, Bob, you know, what's the difference in value in your mind with 11 teams, including UCLA, and 10 teams not including UCLA? Well, I think I originally had suggested that 
thinking back here to to June or early July, that I thought they'd get close to 500 if both the two schools were in. Um, and then I went down to 300, maybe, you know, 350 total um, for the conference if they figured out something to do, figured out some way to monetize the Pac-12 network. So, you know, I think USC carries a lot more water than uh, UCLA does in terms of value, um, even though certainly the, the product under Chip Kelly has, has continued to improve. So, you know, probably I'd say, you know, 125 might assign to UCLA, so that would leave 75 to, I mean, to USC 125, so that would leave 75 to UCLA, which if you add the 300, you know, you get 375, but, you know, now you divide it 11 ways. So, you know, instead of 10 ways, and everybody has to remember that fact that, you know, the, the, the number that it is divided into the total nut is, you know, can, can make a big difference. Yeah, so it's $375 million divided 11 ways is about $34 million. And uh, obviously $300 million divided 10 ways is $30 million. So it's a difference of about $4 million per, per school on the distribution. Um, and yet the Pac-12 is saying, you know, they feel confident they're going to have a number that will beat the Big 12. How, how are they going to get there? Well, I think it's going to come down to the end of the day how they monetize Pac-12 networks, and that's something that, that the Big 12 doesn't have. And so that could be the factor that, that gets them up and above what the what the Big 12 is getting on a per-school basis. Do Are we going to have to unpack that, though, because there's going to be some costs with the network. If they're doing a bunch of production, if they, you know, they may claim that on the revenue side, but they're going to have some expenses, too, that the others don't have. Yeah, that's true. I think um, – it, you know, it just depends if it falls under, you know, maybe it falls under Amazon's P&L as opposed to the mm-hmm. conference's P&L. So there's, there's a bunch of different ways to structure it. And there's, you know, when comparing rights deals, it's a very tricky situation because different conferences account for money in different ways. I mean, I'll see numbers that include NCAA credits, college football, I mean, NCAA basketball credits, uh, playoff credits or bowl game credits, CFP credits things like that, and it's this gigantic number. Well, then they compare it to some guy who's got, you know, a $230 million rights deal, and it's divided by 10 teams, so it looks like it's $50 million versus $20 million. But it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, and so you really have to kind of drill down and, and, and deconstruct the deals and see just exactly what is what. And uh, I think that's certainly something that will have to be done ultimately with the uh, Pac-12 deal. When you, If you want to start playing this, uh, we got more than you got type thing. Yeah, that has become oddly uh, important, it feels like, to the conferences. Why do you think that's important? Why is why is this Big 12, Pac-12 thing become kind of a rivalry? You know, I don't, I don't know. I think it was because I think, you know, maybe – what was it a year ago? And a lot of people thought the PAC 12 was going to swallow the big 12. And then the big 12, you know, the PAC 12 said, well, we don't want to do that. And then with the PAC 12, a lot of people thought the big 12 was going to, you know, after USC and UCLA announced, well, everybody thought it was going to be the other way around. And, you know, that kind of fell apart. So there's, you know, clearly some competition, you know, based on those type of things. I think certainly geography has something to do with it. You know, we're, we're directly adjacent to each other. Got a schools, you know, Colorado used to be in the Big 12. 
I think there's a number of other schools that, um, you know, are, are directly adjacent to other big 12 conference schools states wise and would, you know, might look that way as well. But I don't really believe anything's going to happen with any more um, realignment, but significant realignment. You know, there might be some expansion uh, for a couple of, you know, maybe some schools have a potential, you know, certainly Yormark at the Big 12 seems to want, still want to have a specific time slot. And right now the closest he's got is a mountain one with BYU. Um, San Diego State's kind of sitting out there is probably the, you know, the, the prettiest girl without a date at this point. And um, certainly I think as the big, the Pac-12 finalizes their television, I would expect that there's some significant conversation with San Diego State. It, and, and my guess is there's probably been some pretty significant discussions already. I am told that as well by a source at San Diego State, that they have uh, been in a dance with the Pac-12 and, uh, everything that we're hearing publicly is what they're being told behind the scenes, that the timeline will be media rights and then expansion, and they're kind of looking into Q1 of next year and thinking that's when it will happen. From a media rights standpoint, San Diego State makes sense. Southern California, 1.1 million households in San Diego, television households. Who else makes sense, Bob, as you uh, sort of spitball that? Well, there's, there's a number of schools that I kind of, lump in the same same area and it depends if you're you know, if you ask me the question for the big 12 i might have a slightly different answer but for the pac-12 um you know it would certainly be san diego state probably fresno state boise state unlv maybe smu uh if you want to stake a claim in texas and and really take a you know a run at recruiting that that state uh if you ask me for the big 12 you know, to me, the school that's most like Big 12 schools uh, is Fresno State, um, the Central Valley. You, I mean, you you live there. You yep. you know the mentality yep. there, and it's it it's it just feels a lot more like Big 12 than it does Pac 12. Uh, you know, UNL, UNLV, Boise State could kind of go either way. Um, SMU, you know, none of those schools in Texas are going to let SMU in. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to share anymore. So um, that, that's kind of how I, I see it. You know, there's there's a couple other you know, others out there that are – but nothing that really sticks out at me beyond, you know, UNLV, Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State, and SMU. There you go. Hey, Bob, I appreciate your time and your expertise and. Uh, wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I uh, appreciate you as a public service coming on the show and educating us. Let me ask you the, the dumb questions that I have. My pleasure. It's always, it's always enjoyable, John. All right. You take care of yourself. There's Bob Thompson, former president, Fox Sports Networks. I hope you feel smarter. I do after that. Kelly Graves, University of Oregon women's basketball coach. He has something he wants to get off his chest. Told me he's got a peeve that he wants to share at 4 o'clock, what's his rant going to be? Stick around and find out. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Bunch of good bowl games coming up on the horizon. I think the Pac-12's got a chance to win Maybe five bowl games. They have seven total. 
really liking Oregon State's chances against Florida in the Vegas Bowl. Florida now has like 30 players that have opted out of that game. I'm a little worried, guys. Are you worried that Florida's going to just go, hey, we don't, we can't do it? Like, we're, we're shorthanded over here? Like, I know they'll play in the game because they get a payout, but, like, we're getting into that conversation, like, at some point. I think the bowl games are ultimately going to have to pay the players to participate. Yeah, I, there. I agree with you um, about the payment part. Do you think that there's any chance that Florida, because they are missing so many players, and it is Florida, like, they're still going to have a lot of talent on that team, they could come out and surprise Oregon no. State? No, you don't think so. No. There's two there's two games in particular that jump out at me as I'm looking at some of the bowl games. One one is I, I really like Oregon State against Florida and for, for a variety of reasons. I like Oregon State because Florida's gonna be shorthanded without Anthony Richardson at quarterback. But I also like Oregon State because I know this game means something to Oregon State. So I think most of the Oregon State players are gonna play in this game. I think they're they're gonna show up to play. I think it means a lot to them. I think getting to 10 wins means something. And often these bowl games, if you can figure out who it means something, does it mean something to a team, pick that team. And to that uh, point, uh, they asked Trent Bray who he expects to be missing, and it was only Rajon Wright on the defensive side. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna be mostly at full strength. I think, I think I really like Oregon State in that game. And then the other game that is interesting to me is Purdue will be playing without its head coach. And, you know, they even if they have players there, they're playing LSU in the Citrus Bowl. On January 2nd, um, look at Purdue to have some similar attrition. It feels a little bit like uh, Oregon's bowl game last year, and Mario Cristobal kind of going, "Hey, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna coach in this game and whatnot." Keep an eye on that one. I'll give you some other bowl picks coming up. Plus, what's your peeve? B F F T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. I don't want anybody walking around feeling like, you know what, something's on my mind, something's bothering me. I don't want anybody going into the weekend. Feeling like they, uh, you know, they got something on their chest. They need to get off their chest. I want you to have a clear conscience. I want you to have a clear mind. I want you to feel like, um, you know, if you are going into this weekend or next week or whatever it is that you are about to do. What is this, Friday? Yeah. I say that every day. I wake up and I go, what day is this? (laughs) But I want you to have a clear mind. And so, coming up, we're going to play What's Your Peeve. So if you have something you just need to get off your chest, you're going to be better for it. Your family's going to thank you. They're going to thank me for letting, giving you the platform to vent. And by the way, your venting, I often found, I have found that it's contagious, you know? And I think there's a, there's a positive way to do this. You can vent. You can say, this is bothering me. Maybe some other people who are going through the same thing or encountering the same thing with coworkers or neighbors or friends or family or kids or whatever it's bothering you. They're sports teams. Uh, maybe they can relate to it a little bit. And we do that. And we, call, we call it what's your peeve. We're not going to officially do that. So don't fire the benchmark now, um, Stephen. But I, here's what I will offer you. You can line up now if you want to go first. 
503-417-7575. Because Kelly Graves, the University of Oregon women's basketball coach, is going to go first. We're going to dial him up here in a minute because he texted me yesterday and he said, hey, when you do that segment where people rant, maybe we should call it what's your rant, you know? Maybe the branding isn't working, but when you do that segment, he says, I, want, I, got, I got one. I want to come on. So uh, he's going to be joining us here in a moment. Guys, we can dial him up now if you want. We'll get, a, get it ready. He's standing by. And we can, uh, we'll bring Kelly Graves on, but then you get an opportunity to go as well. So if you're sitting there and you're going, you know what, i got a neighbor who's bothering me, and this is why they leave their trash cans out. Uh, i got a roommate, and here's, the, here's my roommate problem. Maybe your roommate problem is that your roommate makes oatmeal and leaves it in a bowl on the countertop every day, and your whole thing is, I wonder how many days we can leave that bowl of oatmeal there before the roommate notices that it's sitting there. Maybe that's your peeve. And maybe by you coming on this show, somebody else who leaves their oatmeal laying around Hears it and goes, oh, I do that too. I wonder if that's bothering somebody. See, this is a public service, is really, in its best form. So Kelly Graves is the University of Oregon women's basketball coach. And he's a man of the world, okay? That's what I call him. He's, he's, he's in the world, cares about kids. He's a coach. He's a teacher. He's a dad. He's a husband. And he's got some things to share. But if you want to line up and share your peeve, 503-417-7575 is the phone number. Grab a line now. Kelly Graves is going to go first. He's joining us now. Hey, you got a big game Sunday. <laughs> How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. You got me batting leadoff here on the uh, subject today, huh? Well, I want to leave you lots of room, you know, because I don't know. Oh. This is this is bothering you yesterday, <laughs> and I figured. Well, you may... <laughs> what does it on? say when something is bothering me, and you're the first person I think of? <laughs> maybe it's a good me. Position to be in, big guy. <laughs> Is it me? Is this an intervention? Well, maybe. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I was on the road recruiting. It 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 bothers me to no end. And I I'm, you know, I got it a couple times in the PKI. I go to the, uh, many of the Blazer games now, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, somebody will come up and they they shake your hand, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that's great, but they've they've just slathered a bunch of like cologne all over themselves, and they never wash their hand. And it just bugs the holy living you-know-what out of me yeah. because now I smell like it. I'm very smell-sensitive, mm. and it's like, please, just you know, wash your hands after you put stuff all over you. And it's never the good <laughs> stuff. It's like Brute Fabergé or Elsha. You're too young to remember uh, Elsha. No, I remember That's more like Dracar. Remember that one? Uh, and then there was, uh, I'm trying to think. I was, I'm not a cologne guy either because I don't like the smells. I actually, if I wear a bunch of cologne, I'll get congested. It, it bothers me. Yeah, same. See, uh, the same. So yesterday I, I go, and it happened twice to me. So that happened in the airport. So I had to go wash my hand off, and then you don't totally get it off you. Right. And then you go to the rental car and this is the one that gets me the same guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Mr. Wear too much cologne. Yeah. It's on the seatbelt. So when uh -huh. you put the seatbelt over you and I had a 45 minute drive from the airport to the gym I was going to and I had to smell that the whole way and then it was on my clothes. And it's just like, God, you guys just take a shower. Right. 
Well, Take a shower. Just, you don't need to cover up bad odor with worse odor. Take a shower, uh, but also yeah. if you're going to put cologne on, you don't need to overwhelm the room, right? If you want to wear exactly. your cologne, it let, allow people in the room to escape from it. Exactly. If you if you you want so little that the only a person who's going to snuggle up next to you, you know, is going to smell it. And it should never, never be transferred from one person to another. That's just, you know. All right. So I was okay. thinking about that. Yeah, I got hit twice with the same thing that, that I hate. So, but you're in this position where people see you. You're recognizable. You know, they know you from coaching. They're going to want to come up and shake your hand. But you're, I've often wondered, like, you're probably not always in the mood to do that. What do you do? Do you know? Do you know? Just hey, that comes with the territory. Even if I'm not in the mood, I got to be on. Yeah, John, you know me. I enjoy it. I like it. I like engaging with people because uh, I can be folksy. I don't take myself too seriously. Uh, things like that. I got no problem. Just expect more fist bumps. I'm not going to do the handshaking <laughs> as much. I really, you know, it's it's funny. The one spot I get hit up more than any is Costco. I, I have to plan an extra 10 to 15 minutes in Costco right. because for whatever reason, that's where people will grab me and start talking and, you know, and it's okay. I, I, I like it. I like people coming up and saying hello. So a lot but, of fans out there. What are you getting in Costco? What's Kelly Graves buying in Costco? Or you just like being Half in the there? the time I just go look. Mm. I just want to see what they got, you know. And uh, I get a lot of batteries for whatever reason. Uh I love their muffins. That's why I'm built like I am. So I get those a lot. Um, coffee pods, you know, the usual, the guy, the usual. It's uh, really interesting to me. There's a store called Lush. If you you know this store, it's in the mall. It it's like bath bombs. Uh, my oldest daughter will like you know. Oh, I love that store, Lush. I can't even walk through the doors. It's the smell is so pungent, and it's not a bad smell. It's just overwhelming smell. Yeah. You would not do well in Lush. No, no. You know, the worst time of my life, John, and you've passed this. Well, no, no, actually, no, no, you're still in it. It's when your kids, you know, and I had three boys, and they played sports, and kids now don't shower after practice and stuff. So they put that Axe body armor stuff on them. <laughs> yes. So strong, and then when you're when it's your day to drive the kids home, you got like four teenagers in there. Just, I'm telling you, it's the worst smell you've ever smelled. Have you had to go through that? Yeah, I I do it because I'm interviewing athletes, and it's your athletes, and it's the football players, and it's the basketball players who, by the way, don't shower after the game. They just come out, and they will just drench themselves in that spray. And then they come out for an interview, and I'm like, ugh. Like, yeah, know, no, when, when did that stop bad. happening? When did people stop showering after games? I, yeah, I don't know. I know we're, it's kind of a weird turn we've taken here, but I, I don't know. I, and I don't get it. You know, I just I don't get it. And, um, yeah, kids now are just, I think, a little more private. You need to have a psychologist on here, uh, right. and they can, they can help you out. I was in junior high, and I had a junior high coach, Coach McConnell, and he was old school. He'd been there like 100 years, and he was good, and he he same thing. He was like, you guys need to shower. Nobody showered. We all got the hell out of there. Like, it was, I don't know. Everybody got shy, and everybody was like, nope, we're not showering. We're running for the hills. 
Yeah, well, you're younger than me. My generation, you had to. You'd get hit with the paddle if you didn't. You know, if they found out, that was, and it was hanging right there on the wall. So you knew you were going to get it. And then they would drill holes in it. Remember that? No, I don't remember the paddle. I missed that. Okay, thank goodness. Be be grateful because they would drill holes in it to give it a little extra steam. My goodness sakes. They're corking the bat, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Hey, really... but we're still we're still here, man. We're still here, and teaching today's youth. So, all right, tell me. Let's talk about today's youth yeah. because you you know you, if you grew up on a paddle, you can't use a paddle now. You have to use a carrot, no. and you have to. You know, otherwise, your kids are all jumping in the portal. How has coaching changed? Well, I, uh, I spoke to a group the other day, and here's, here's a quick one-liner for you. It used to be that when the coach said jump, you would go, how high? And now they respond, mm-hmm. why? You know, uh, it's just different nowadays. And, uh, you know, even with the NCAA, we have rules, John. You know, I can't punish kids. Let's say they've missed a tutor or they were late for class or, you know, whatever the case may be, and you want to discipline them. You can't use physical punishment anymore. I can't get them here at 7 a.m. and run them. You know, I've done that. We had a, when I was at Gonzaga, we had a couple of recruits, and and uh, our team took them out and showed them a good time one night. You know, we had a rule: no drinking on on recruiting visits. And I found out that they did, and one of our one of the recruits decided not to come to our place because of that. It really turned her off. And uh, so I had the whole team show up at 6 a.m. Uh, the next morning. We did 20 suicides in 20 minutes, and you know, about half of them. Uh, finished and half of them didn't and they're puking in the garbage cans and and everything else I can't do that kind of stuff anymore you know that's that's out outlawed it's banned so you know you have to get creative you know they have to clean the weight room or you know whatever the case may be so there can be no punishment that is sort of physical labor you you can withhold playing time though right I mean you you can say hey you're not gonna play you miss practice you're not playing I guess you can sure yeah yeah, but uh, I'm just talking about the kind of the day-to-day yeah. stuff that might right. need a little bit of discipline, like you would do at home. Yeah, yeah, we're running liners over here right after the show. <laughs> Give me a break. we got oh, three daughters over here. You are, uh, huh? All right, if Anna's so, not, if she doesn't really bring it in that last hour, you put her on the line, huh? Uh, you know, she no, she's the one. I'm on the line. <laughs> I'm the one running. Okay. Come on. Right, let me ask you, uh, Sunday, you got a big game coming up. It's Beavers, Ducks, always huge. Uh, how you feeling? Um, I, I would feel better if it wasn't finals. You know, we haven't had a great week of practice because, you know, kids are tired. But guess what? They're having finals, too. So uh, it's, it's both of us. It's, it's a little different because we normally play in one week during the conference season. You know, that's a, that great rivalry where we have packed houses both nights. So a little unique that we're doing it December. Uh, but it's an important game because it's a conference game. We just aren't used to having it this early. So, um, but I think we're playing well. I, we're healthy. We're in a good spot. So I, there, there's no, and I'm not one of those coaches that, that makes uh, finals an excuse. And you know, you've interviewed probably a ton over the years. Well, we had finals. I always laugh at that. Well, you're playing another college. They're having finals too. I mean, Everybody's got finals. We're all in the same boat, yeah. Uh, but, uh, it'll be a good game. They're really good. I, I like his team. And, uh, and you know, Scott Rook, I, I think he's the best coach in the conference. And, um, you know, they, they run their stuff. And they prepare really well. And, and they're not going to beat themselves. you got to beat them.
You guys are playing well, though. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, since really in that North Carolina game, you were right in there with them right before Thanksgiving. And then, you you know, you get Michigan State, you get Portland. That's a good that's a good program. And you beat them good. Now you are home against Oregon State uh, on Sunday. Um, you you feel like this team could do something special, or at what point of the season do you sort of get a, you know, in the NBA we always talk about twenty five games. How many games do you need to know? Well, I think I know. I think we're capable of beating anybody on any given night, and I'm talking about anybody. I truly do. Now we we don't have a, a big margin for error because we we have a short uh, a bench, so to speak, which is nine players. So everybody's got to bring it each night. Um, and, and we're still pretty young in some spots. And so they're going to have off nights, but we do have some senior guards or, uh, experienced guards, and that's always a good thing. So I really like this group. I do. You and I have talked before and you know how excited I am about them. And, and I think we're going to continue to grow and Filipina Che in the middle for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, she's, she's getting better every day you see improvements. So if she can give us some really quality minutes and continue to defend and rebound like she is, then, you know, we've got a chance to be pretty good. I, I uh, was pretty early in my career, but I was covering Indiana basketball as a beat reporter, and Bob Knight was the coach. And he would get in games, like some of the games you've had this season that were blowouts, but he used some of those moments as opportunities to put his younger players and see them maybe with uh, some of the ones. And also, he would occasionally put some pressure on his players. He, you know, I remember him getting Kirk Haston, the big big man, uh, his center. He was a freshman, and he called timeout. He was shooting a free throw in a meaningless situation. He called timeout, and he kind of barked at him in the huddle, and he says, if you miss these free throws, we're all running after the game. And, <laughs> I, and then I asked him afterward, I said, why did you do that to Haston? And he said, I wanted him to – feel some pressure there was no pressure in the game we were ahead by like 30 it do you what do you do in a game when you're up like 40 or 30 and you know you're trying to get something of value out of it aside from a win yeah well you know i get letters and emails from a lot of people who think they can do my job better and maybe a lot of them can uh one of the things i get from time to time a fan will say man coach you guys were up 40 how can you're still getting on them And I always felt my job is to coach for 40 minutes because those kids that are playing at the end of the game deserve the same kind of coaching. And like you said, pressure or whatever, um, you know, I I don't really look at the score. I I really don't. And uh, I'm going to coach until that that final horn goes off. And, you know, if that uh, ruffles some some people's feathers, then then so be it. But I think it's important to – to coach your kids the whole time. I do not believe in garbage time or whatever you want to call it, mop-up time. I just don't. And I've already said that a couple times this year to the team. Yeah, they get a little loose with a couple passes. You know, maybe they try to make that fancy pass when they they didn't need to. Uh, I just, I, I don't like that. So, and I, I think that in the end makes you better. You know, there's just never an off moment. And I never worry about the score for way up, John. You know, uh, Bobby Bowden said it best. You know, when someone asked him about a blowout one time, he said, hey, it ain't Florida State's job to stop Florida State. Mm. You know, we're going to keep playing hard. You should. Yeah, you should, because I think it's disrespectful to the other team if you come in and go, look, we need to make five passes before we take a shot. Or you nah. do, you know, you, you sort of get away from what you do, and you're not getting something out of that. You need to continue to play, and, and it's disrespectful, I think, to the other team. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. no, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited. I hope we have a good crowd. It's it's uh, you know kind of a non-traditional time to play the Beavers, but uh, hopefully the the Duck fans and the Beaver fans come out in force. All right, and so Sunday this, uh, is a nationally recognized rivalry in women's basketball among the three or four best in the country, and um, you know hopefully we have that same kind of spirit for this one. Sunday, four o'clock. Matthew Knight Arena, Oregon State, visiting Oregon, big event. Do not wear cologne, but show up and check it out. <laughs> yeah, if you come shake my hand after the game, hopefully a victorious handshake. Yeah, yeah please. You know, you know what you reminded me of? The uh, When I was covering Tark, uh, not to name drop a bunch of guys that I was covering, but one day I'll say when I was covering Kelly Graves, uh, but Tark, Tark had those guys from Vegas around him. They were all coloned up. They had their chains oh. and their – chest hair out and you know it was that uh, crew that's uh yeah i can imagine yeah I, I i remember those days yep all right kelly graves good all luck right, Sunday. Buddy. thank you for popping on i hope you all feel better now the family and okay. happy holidays my friend all right there he is merry christmas kelly graves there he goes uh no cologne okay around around kelly graves so line up now what is your peeve you heard his peeve he doesn't want you to wear a bunch of cologne around him what is your peeve? You get a chance to weigh in. 503-417-7575. Tell me what bothers you. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. What is your peeve? What is bothering you? 503-417-7575 is the number. Line up. I'm going to go. Peter Sampson's going to go. Steven's going to go. Anna may pop in. That might be my peeve, that Anna said, hey, I'll be there at 4 o'clock. I will be. And where is she? Again. Uh, but, you know, when we start paying her, then we can start bitching about it. So Anna may pop in with her peeve. Maybe her peeve will be, hey, you know what? Uh free labor over here so we'll see but uh i hear her now she's probably right she's right outside the studio uh, the other day you remember the other day i was complaining that she told me there was a package coming and then she didn't tell me that the package got delivered and i waited all day like i was waiting for the cable guy for this package i kept looking i kept checking i kept going and then in the end i realized that uh she got the package hours earlier she was like you didn't have to go on air and and make fun of me for that you don't have to talk about everything but actually i do have to talk about everything on air because i have found that the show is better it's more authentic if i just say you know what we're dropping the filter we'll talk about anything so i want you to be able to share your peeve whatever it is get it off your chest here 503-417-7575 let's do it what's your peeve oh that pisses me off that pisses me right off call 503-417-7575 and tell Kinzano what's your peeve on the BFT. Brought to you by Revolution Dental Implant Center. A smile revolution, one day solution. What is your peeve? Line up now. Uh, we will go around the room. We will get your peeve. Um... That's, let's start with Stephen, Peter. Who wants to go first? Who has the peeve? I'll go first. Um, my peeve is when people use the word hater. I really don't like it. And the reason is because just because you don't agree with my opinion 
doesn't mean I'm a hater on like the favorite team. So, you know, oh, I see. Yeah. I so, see. like, you know, I, you know, I do the Believe in Blazer podcast, and yeah. I'm definitely more negative than my partner is, or than a lot of the fans that listen. Are you negative or are you critical? There's a difference. And that's the thing. I feel like I'm, but I'm telling the truth. I'm telling exactly what I feel. Like this is how You're I. You're not view. a hater. That's how. And I got I got a lot of hater comments in the in the comment section on this last video. Why? I, what did you say? I just, I, you know, my partner says that the Blazers are, you know, top four team when they're all Going healthy. All the yeah. Like they're that good. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're just not that good. Um, and so I don't care that you disagree with my opinion, uh, but I'm not a hater just because you disagree with my opinion. Right. Like that. So the, the hater term bothers me. I, I don't like to call people a hater. Like I might disagree with your opinion, but it's your opinion. Like it can't be wrong. That's just what she thinks. Um, so the term hater, man, that is uh, that is a peeve of mine this week. Okay, so people who use hater, but is there such a thing as a hater? Is there somebody in general who just is so negative Nelly that they're just walking around kind of like, you know, pig pen, angry at everything? Yeah, I think so. I think, but you can tell. Like, it's almost made up. Like, mine is a genuine view of the team. Like, I mm -hmm. will say that I'm wrong a lot of times where there's a lot of people out there that are just making up takes just okay. to get clicks, get to, just to get discussion going. That's yeah. not what I'm doing. So uh, just to be a yeah. hater, I'm not a hater. I just don't think the Blazers are very good. All right. So I don't. I think there's a big difference between being critical and being a hater. And I think it's fair to be critical. If you're critical of a team, you're backing it up with facts or whatever, and you're saying, "Hey, I expect more." I think a hater is somebody who just is, in general, negative. Anna, are we getting this right? Anna has popped into the studio. So if you've noticed the change in my tone, Anna is here. <laughs> How does your tone change? Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, so uh, let's. He's on his uh, best behavior, that's for sure. Yeah, thanks for being here, Anna. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, is is that right, Anna? A hater? Yeah. Can someone be critical but not be a hater? Absolutely. I mean, I think that we've gotten to this point where it's like if somebody just disagrees with you, you know, they're a hater. But that's not true. Like, that's not the nature of discourse, and it's actually healthy. It's healthy for us as people to have, you know, civil disagreements and differences of opinion. And who knows? Maybe if you're open-minded a little bit to somebody else's opinion and they have some sound logic behind it, it might change your mind. Like, I think that's a lot of what's wrong with um, just kind of uh, – like our inability to hear somebody else's opinion these days and social yeah. media exacerbates that because we're all in our own echo chambers. The algorithms show us the opinions that echo our own and it intensifies, um, you know, the strength of your opinion. And it's like, how often are you really challenged to think about something from a different prism, look at it from a you know different set of eyes, step into somebody else's shoes and I, it's it's actually one of those things that kind of concerns me about I had, our, our country. I had somebody the other day that did one of my peeves that I've shared before. I wrote a column uh, that referenced a letter that I got nine years ago from a former Oregon player, and that Oregon player basically said, bleep, Duck fans. He was a former Duck, and he was upset at the Duck fans that he had seen around him at a game nine years ago. But I... The main reason I republished part of the letter was I was interested in sort of pointing out that it's the players of t 9, 10, 15, 20 years ago who had no name, image, likeness, who had no ability to get into the portal that we need to remember while we're criticizing this generation of players that are in the portal because it wasn't that long ago that the players had no rights, no empathy. And I had somebody tweet at me, you're, you're a hater, it's clickbait, okay? And I said, no, 
I, I replied, which I not I don't often do. I replied and I said, nah, I said, I'm just thinking a lot of the players from 9, 10, 12 years ago. It was really interesting. The guy hadn't read the piece. He acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. He came back about 15 minutes later, tweeted to reply to me, and he says, you're right, I read it. Sorry that I tweeted that at you. And I was like, I almost fell out of my chair because it was that whole, you're a hater, it's clickbait. But and then with somebody going, well, maybe I should read before before I reply. <laughs> and to Stephen's point, like, I understand why fans, Stephen, I understand why people would think your criticism is hate because it's not what they want to hear. Right. They want They want to be told it's okay. No, I agree. And I don't, yeah, again, I'm not trying to change anyone's opinion. I just think it's lazy to be like, you're a hater because you don't see eye to eye with me. Yeah, I agree. But why not try to change somebody's opinion, though, too? Like, if you have sound reasoning behind yours, why not engage in that conversation with somebody who's willing to listen? Yeah, I mean, that's a good just point. Might change their opinion. Yeah, I, I would hope. Is, are they willing to listen, though? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I, you know, it's like politics and sports. It's like you're never going to change people's opinions a lot of times. So you can only give out what you can and your facts and your opinions, what you think. And then if it does change their opinion, it's a good thing. I'm never out there actively wanting you to believe what I believe, though. I don't think you should go out of your way just to be a contrarian. I think people sniff that out in a heartbeat. And I think there's a whole bunch of that that goes on in sports media. But. I think if you are honest and I think if you are critical and you are fair, you also stand out in a way because I think people will go, you know what, let me think about what this guy Steven is saying. Maybe he's not a hater. Maybe he's spitting the truth here. And I am very, uh, uh, very, you know, I, I'm not going to fake it on here. I just said earlier in the show that I freak out uh, about myself. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. That's right. Yeah. Freaks out. Freak out. You don't want anybody ha. freaking out. Paul is in Portland. Let's go to the phone lines. 503-417-7575. Paul, you're on. Go ahead. My beef is with land acknowledgments. On so many Zoom meetings and Zoom calls, it's like, oh, this land used to belong to these people. And, and I'm thinking, my God, we are carnivores. We take. We conquer. Whether they're the Hittites or the Assyrians, they don't exist anymore. It's as if I would... Every, t- every time I make love to a woman, she would say, oh, first we need to make acknowledgments that okay. uh, Seymour took me first, and then there was Stan. And- okay. All right. All right. Whoa. I, I, <laughs> that got crazy. I, I, I'm almost inclined to just put him back on and see where it goes. Paul? Paul, are you okay? Yes, I'm right here. All right. Yeah. Listen, what's going on, man? Are you, are you doing okay? You're fired up. I'm doing fine. I'm tired of Zoom meetings. Okay, how many Zoom meetings are you on? How old are you? How old are you? It doesn't matter. I just, it does. I want to know. know. I forgot to say that what Anna said about civil discourse makes lots of sense. Okay. It's a wondrous comment. Okay, there. I like that. All right, Paul's back on the rails now. Hey, Paul, you have a good weekend. You too. Thanks for the show. I always enjoy it. Bye now. All right. No Zoom I think we helped (laughs) that guy. No more Zoom meetings for Paul. You know what I felt like? I felt like I was I threw out I was a lifeguard and I threw out that ring to save him. And then I was like, well, should I do that? And then I, I I said, okay, I'm gonna leave it out there and Paul grabbed it. Thankfully. He grabbed that thing. Mike's in Portland. Mike, get this on the rails. How you doing, man? Hey John, man. Um uh, my pet peeve, man, is uh is against homers. You know, as I listen to sports radio the thing that really drives me up the wall is when I have to listen to a homer that start they, they they get away from the truth, man, and they start perpetrating. They start 
building up a team that obviously ain't no good. In this case, I'm going to use the Ducks. And what happens is that the fans, they listen to what homers say. They get all pumped up. And then when they go to the game and get full of alcohol, and when the Ducks don't start doing what the homers then said the Ducks should be doing, then the fans get all obnoxious. They get upset. Mm -hmm. And I think this is – is is contributed to the to the um, homerism, and I just wish that when commentators come on and start talking about football, just stick to the facts. Don't mm-hmm. start embellishing nothing, making the team look better than what they really are. That's my piece. All right, let's do let's do an example of that right now. All right, let's talk about the Oregon Ducks. Spit spit some truth on the Ducks. Give me like a short burst, Mike. What's realistic with Oregon in year one? Dan Lanning nine and three. First of all, Dan Lanning was never – he never was going to go to the uh, football, college football playoff. That wasn't going to happen, not in year one. But yet you had the homers coming on talking about that was going to be realistic. That was nonsense. Then you got Bo Nix that the homers have come on and talk about, well, he's Heisman Trophy candidate. That wasn't true. You know, Bo Nix is a carbon copy – of Marcus Mariota. I was the only guy. (laughs) But he won the Heisman. Yeah, he won the Heisman, but Marcus Mariota was not a good football player. That's why when he went to the pros, he couldn't make it. And on top of that, another thing is that, oh, uh, Cristobal, he had one of the greatest recruiting classes. Well, if that was the case, how come only one Oregon Duck football player got drafted. The rest of them didn't. So you can't sit back with all this homerism, putting the Ducks up being so great. Okay. When You see what I mean? I see what you mean. If, I, I think what you're saying is we need to balance that. We need to, get, we need to get that talk and balance it. And on that note, Mark in Portland, go ahead. Balance this out, Mark. Yeah, my pet peeve is Mike's uh, uh, ridiculous hatred of the Oregon Ducks because Mike, I don't think he's, he's, you know, the, the Ducks are, uh, heads up against every team in the conference since 1994, Oregon owns the outright heads up against USC, Washington, every team in the conference, Oregon's won, uh, eight conference titles since 2000. Um, they are clearly the, 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 over history right now, the best team in the Pac-12. And there's NFL players all over the place that played for Oregon. You've got DeForest Buckner. You've got tons of, of defensive players, John. I mean, I'm amazed at how, how many players have, have succeeded as Oregon Ducks. You know, there's some that don't succeed. But to say that they're, they don't put anybody in the NFL, that was Oregon of 20 years ago. They got, they got three or four guys that – that are drafted virtually every year, and, yeah. and they're producing talent. So his call's ridiculous. The other pet peeve I have is at the gyms, people that wear masks, the, a, a guy wearing a mask today, with, yeah. he's on the treadmill for 45 minutes, and he's sweating all over the treadmill wearing a mask, and then he doesn't wipe it down or clean it off. He just walks away with his mask. And I'm, I'm like, really? You're, you're this conscientious about wearing a mask while you're exercising, I don't know how you can 
jog on the treadmill with the mask on. I mean, I can't jog. It's hard for me to jog on the treadmill without one on. So I don't know how they do that. But And then he's uh, sweating all over everything else. Sweating over everything. It doesn't clean up. But Mike, Mike is really his his hatred of Oregon shows more than his knowledge. I mean, the Ducks are every year they're they're in the race for the for the, the conference title. This year they were, you know, right in the race for it, and they their their quarterback suffered an injury. It changed their their dynamics. Their offense wasn't the same, and that's not an excuse. That's just part of football. But they're they're certainly not a, a trailer trash team in the Pac-12. They're they're wow. the best. They're arguably the best team year in and year out record-wise the last 30 years. The, well, and I'll, bring, I'll point out Eric Armstead, Panay Sewell, Justin Herbert, DeForest Buckner, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you know, Jonathan Stewart, yeah, Kenyon Barner, Patrick <laughs> Chung, uh, Troy Hill. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it, there's some guys that have stuck. I appreciate the call. Let's take more of your phone calls. I want to. Mike in Salem's going to be next. I got two lines open. 503 417 7575. What is your peeve? Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I haven't even given my peeve yet. I want yours at 503 417 7575. Um, here's a, here's a peeve I have. I'm going to say it. I noticed that there, that people, I, look, I'm not like militant about this, but I do notice it. People saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. I know there's some people out there that re- really bothers. It doesn't like bother me to the point where I'm angry about it, but I'm like, can we just say Merry Christmas? Yeah, but not everybody celebrates Christmas. Okay. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. But yeah. it's, but so it's not like people are anti saying Christmas. So, yeah. No, I mean, gonna say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Happy Holidays is just more like mm. all inclusive. Kelly Graves said it earlier. Right. He said Happy. He holidays. said Happy Holidays, and I was like, "What's wrong with Merry Christmas?" Well, yeah. You know. Yeah. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Can we get both? Because he just throw. He was wrapping Thanksgiving in there too. You know. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. (laughs) New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Valentine's Day Day is coming up. Valentine's Day. How far does it go? St. Patty's Day. This is where I draw the line. If you tell me Happy Easter right now, you're getting poked in the eye. I don't know. Walgreens. Some people do make a huge deal if you don't actually say Merry Christmas. I think your mom is that way. She is. You're taking the Christ out of Christmas. But, uh, you know, like, look, we've got Jewish friends, you know, and it's like, okay, you could say Merry Christmas to a Jewish friend and it doesn't. Does that offend? Is that offensive? I don't know if it's offensive, but it like it literally doesn't really mean anything to them. Right. But somebody said Happy Hanukkah to me. It's like saying Happy Birthday to you, not on your birthday. Uh, I don't mind that. I'm okay. Like, (laughs) but if somebody said Happy Hanukkah to me, I don't think I would be offended by that. Yeah, but it like wouldn't apply. You'd be like. Yeah, I'd be like, eh. That's it's like saying nice haircut, you know, <laughs> and I, right. I kind of go and I kind of go, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah Johnny, you're having a good hair day today. Thank you. You're having a great hair Appreciate day. Appreciate that. <laughs> Your eyebrows are on fleek. All right. Let's go to, <laughs> let's go to the phones. Mike is in Salem. Mike, what's your peeve? Well, it's more or less than a peeve about a comment Anna made earlier about different opinions. And I grew up on a small farm out in Eastern Oregon and my dad used to say, you get in these arguments about religion, politics, or sports, 
He says, you're never going to win them. He says, it's like wrestling with a pig. You both get dirty, but the pig likes it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love it. Love that. What kind of, what did you have on your farm? Oh, we had a little bit of everything. We had cows and milk cows. And my brother and I, who worked with my brother years ago, but nonetheless, he, uh, he wasn't much of a milker, and I was a pretty good milker. So I'd milk two cows, and he'd do all the other chores for the pigs and chickens and all that sort of thing. Do you think it, because, he? Do you think it was intentional that he wasn't a good milker? That he was like, I don't want to do this, so I'm going to let yeah, Mike yeah, be the yeah. milker. Yeah, and I can milk. I can milk a cow real fast, and we had three of them that we had to milk every day. And I'd say, I'll do the milking, you do the other stuff, and you feed, and you take care of the pigs, and you feed the chickens, and get the water and all that, and I'll do the milking. And I could be done rather rapidly with those cows, but and he'd take forever and just screw around, and it just was a real pain. What's, anyway. the, what's the secret to milking a cow? Let's just say if any of our listeners get in a situation where they got to milk a cow or, you know, this is just save their lives, what advice do you have? Well, first thing you do is make sure you hobble them so they don't stick their foot in the bucket <laughs> and what do you mean hobble mm-hmm. what do you mean hobble well, you put a hobble on their back legs it's just a little chain thing with two clips and then they can't kick at you and mm-hmm. and you can stick yourself right underneath the udder there and, and of course do your job and and then make sure they got enough food there you know so they they come in to get the grain they they want to be there they want to be relieved and they want the food so if you're fast enough if you wait until they're done you know, I mean, if you finish before they do, that's a good thing. If they finish eating their grain before you finish your job, they get restless. So you've right. got to milk quick. Gotta How about be the hand motion, the hand motion of the actual milking? The cartoons show it as, like, kind of an up-and-down thing, but I grew up a little rural. No. It's not, is it, isn't it? It's a squeeze. It's from the top down. You know, you take your top top finger on, on each one of, the, on one of the teats, and then you, you, you kind of, like you, you know, like you grab an orange or something, you just kind of mm-hmm. squeeze it, and that'll get the milk out. We used to bring the city kids out, and they'd say, "Hey, you want to see the hole in the cow's butter here?" And they'd say, "Yeah," and they'd look down there, and then we'd squirt them with milk. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good trip. So. It turns out, coincidentally, the city kids' peeve was getting squirted with milk when they were just trying to see the hole in the cow. Mike's in Klamath Falls. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello there. So my pet peeve is the SEC and Alabama trying to wiggle their way into the playoffs when they play cupcakes in the middle of the season. It drives me crazy for them to play Austin P, and it's essentially a second bye, and uh, they claim they have such a strong schedule, and it just drives me crazy. You're right. They play one fewer conference game. And they schedule a patsy uh, late in the year, and they kind of get a break while the Pac-12 and other conferences have to play that ninth game. Uh, I don't blame you for having that peeve. I think some of the ADs in the conference have that same peeve. I do think the Pac-12 is going to look at reducing from nine to eight conference games, but it creates a problem. Um, it creates an advantage, and it creates a problem. The advantage is you play eight conference games instead of nine. The other advantage is you get an extra home game every other year versus being on the road, so you're home all the time. So the SEC teams, look at how many home games they play. Some of them are playing seven home games. Um, and then you have uh, the the uh, disadvantage is you have to find somebody to play. So you have to pay somebody in a lot of cases to play. And there are a couple of Pac-12 schools 
Arizona State is one of them, that has struggled recently to get teams to come play at ASU, and they're going, we don't know. We're not sure if this is a good idea. So here's what I think the solution's going to be. I think you know, the Pac-12 is going to get some more money in this media rights deal. I think there is a chance that they are going from nine to eight games. Merton Hanks came on this show. He is uh, the deputy commissioner in the Pac-12, and he said that he believed that they would drop from nine to eight games. Um, they've never wavered on that, so keep an eye on that. More of your calls. Anna's peeve still ahead. Plus, Peter's got a peeve. I know he does. 503-417-7575. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Peter Sampson, you got a peeve. I know you do. I do. What's your peeve? Yeah, my peeve is uh, it's kind of timely right now with all the uh, the winter weather we're having or the uh, the fall weather. It's so rainy out. And my peeve is with drivers who, if you're walking on the sidewalk, they as they're passing you, they don't sort of give it another extra foot of space between the vehicle and the sidewalk. And the reason that matters is when water is collecting, it's going to rush towards the storm drains, right? And you end up with these little rivers of water on the road near the sidewalk. I have been hit four times in the last three weeks with just a wall of water, probably four feet high, just splashing me because someone didn't you know, pay attention that I was on the sidewalk and they just belted me with, with ga- a gallon of water at least. <laughs> so I'm glad you like that. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but have, I don't know if anybody listening to this has ever seen a situation. It's awfully tempting. I've been in that situation. But it's awfully tempting when you see someone in that situation to not drive into the You're puddle. terrible. I'm not saying I've I would do it. I've you, Peter, and it sucks. Oh, it's I'm terrible. It's tempting. Yeah, brutal. It's terrible. <laughs> just it it just crushes. It's like soul crushing, especially when it's cold out. Yeah, like yeah, it's not soul crushing enough to have to get up and go to work in the morning. You know what I mean? And then you just get hit with that. Just, ugh. Well... I'm sorry that happened to you. That's all. Yeah, John over here plotting how he does it. No, I'm not. I wouldn't do it to somebody. I'm just saying it's tempting when you see that scenario because it looks like a cartoon. It's like Wile E. Coyote, you know? You see, if if Peter were eating grain out of a bowl and there were an anvil over his head, you tell me that people wouldn't go, you know, it'd be really funny. You know, isn't it fun to get a glimpse inside his head and how he sees his daily like world like a Warner Brothers cartoon? Clearly, yeah. I'm going to start yeah. walking around just holding a sign that says yikes on it. Yikes. Yeah. yikes. Hey, Anna, what's your peeve? Uh, my peeve is the holiday season stress. So I love the holiday season. I love generosity and giving and charity mm. and, you know, treating people and making them feel special but I, I don't care for the stress that comes with that. Mm. So it's like making sure you have everybody covered on your list and drivers being just like 25% more aggressive and more careless because they're trying to double check that their Amazon order is going to get there on time while they're on a two-lane road. Like, be careful out there because I feel like people are – really inattentive right now when they're driving like don't be yeah. don't get in a head-on because you know it's not worth it you're checking something inane like that it ain't worth it i, I like that we can 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 we carry this over 
huh. into the next segment, and then we'll do the five at five. Don in Portland's going to lead us off. I do have lines open. 503-417-7575. What's your peeve? B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth. Well, we're in the happy hour, and we're asking for your peeves. Don't be a hater. 503-417-7575 is the number. We'll continue this if you want it. I want you going to the weekend. Get it all off your chest. We got the 5 at 5 coming up. Baker Mayfield looks like a hero. Should he just quit right now? Should he just retire? Headbutt Roger Goodell on his way out. Ducks, Beavers preparing for bowl games. Will they have anybody to play? Florida. It's got about 30 players that aren't going to play in this game. Beavers now a 10-point favorite in Vegas. They might be a 15, 14, 15 point favorite by kickoff if Florida decides to play. Keep an eye on that one. Excited about the Vegas Bowl. Don's in Portland. He's going to finish up What's Your Peeve. Don, we've been all over the map. We've milked some cows. We've talked about uh, land rights, haters. What is your peeve, Don? My uh, peeve is the Heisman voting, okay? Now, I don't know the full story on the Heisman voting, but if you vote early and not allow the final games to be played and you cast your vote and some integrity or character flaw of a player shows himself, like hmm. a player on USC is a quarterback and he gets the Heisman just because of stats and they overlook what he did, on his fingernails, one from Notre Dame and one for Utah, then I think it's wrong. I think they need to change the Heisman voting to the very last moment until everything is finished because they don't deserve to get a trophy if they show uh, you know, lack of character or uh, they go against the integrity of the game. Yeah, you know, we're about an hour and a half, uh, a day, excuse me, an hour and a half, a day plus a half hour away from that announcement. Um, I have a Heisman vote. Um, it's interesting. The votes were not due till Monday. I did cast my ballot on Sunday, so I went a little early. They weren't due till Monday, but I wanted to make sure I got the vote in. But the deadline was, what, four days ago. And uh, but the you could start voting as early as November the 28th. You could vote like a week before the championship games. I always tell people to wait, but there's just some problems. There's some bigger issues with the Heisman vote. Like, first of all, I don't think that the Heisman Trust gives a lot of instruction. I've read the instructions that they give. It's a few sentences of instruction. It's not enough. And I feel like the award has just become an award for the quarterback of a really good team. It's not the best college football player in America. It's a quarterback on a really good team. Uh, and I think that is a problem, too. But character, I like to hear more from the Heisman Trust on what they consider to be included in character. You know, are we just talking about, you know, if, if, if uh, Caleb Williams writes something on his fingernails that's offensive, is that something they want us to 
look at or is it more how he treats people and you know is he uh stealing crab legs from a supermarket like that kind of stuff like you know like what what should fall under you know what should be included in that character clause and what shouldn't be how about dave in vancouver he's got a peeve dave go ahead yeah so you know when you're texting friends back and forth for a little while maybe your girlfriend whatever and okay good night okay you have a good night too okay have a good night and you never know how to end the text like we all hate that but yesterday i was texting anna regarding a bft issue yeah and uh we, we texted back and forth briefly and it never really ended properly i, I never got the in text <laughs> How did, how, did it, how did you were waiting for like a goodbye, good night? <laughs> uh, uh, she wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so uh, to, just to back up, you won, you bid, and you won some shoe mill gift cards. Anna's getting Correct. address. How do we send these cards to you? You're Correct. texting, and you feel like she left you hanging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I what you said, mean. I, said I know what you mean. Funny, and yeah, then I know said, what you oh. mean. Yeah, anyway. It ended it Check ended your text weird. Messages it, it right now. Weird. <laughs> She's gonna end your You want some closure is what you're saying. Yeah. Check, just check your messages right now. Uh, I will. It yep, wasn't there earlier. Yeah, see? You got <laughs> I got busy. I got hey, busy. Hey Dave, we welcome do. welcome to yeah. my world, okay? Right. W welcome to my world. Anna says, you know what, I'll be there at four o'clock. I want to be on there when Kelly Graves comes on for What's Your Peeve. We'll be there no later than 4. <laughs> she rolls in about 4.30. You know? Hey, just be happy you got a message. Dave, thanks for your donation. <laughs> Appreciate that. She's getting called out here. I like that. And, I, you know, yeah. an over charity, too. I know. You know? I know. Such a hater. <laughs> I like that. But what is the right way? You know, in the movies, like, I like in the movies, like, uh, you know, we're watching that show, Donovan. You know, Ray Donovan? Yes. When Ray Donovan gets a phone call, and he's kind of, you know, he's carrying a baseball bat around. He's beating people up. You know, he's kind of a fixer. But when Donovan gets a phone call, he doesn't say bye. He just hangs up. He ends the call. A lot of like, you know, a lot of like tough characters. That's how they end. I'm gonna their do conversations. that. I'm gonna start doing that. That's actually how I end most of my text conversations, where it's just kind of like there is no formal goodbye. It's just I just stop texting later. And you I ghosted count, him. I count on you to understand that for me, that conversation at that point has ended. You're done. You ghosted him. But I think I'm going to start doing that. Stephen, don't be offended if you and I, let's just mimic a phone call. Stephen, <laughs> hey, we got Kelly Graves on the show today. Uh, we're also going to bring on Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sports uh, president. Uh, and we're going to do uh, What's Your Peeve, get you the show sheet later. That sound good to you? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll uh, I'll get ready over here. All right, man, I'll talk click, to you later. Click. Oh, oh, uh, no, later. Click. Oh, click. I just hung up. Oh, oh, okay. You're saying you're left holding the phone. Is that going to be okay? Yeah, I'm fine with it. It's cool. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do from now on. Anna and I are now going to launch into the 5 at 5. It's the five biggest, baddest stories on planet Earth. Anna's been working hard on this. Let's see what she does. Go. The 5.
at 5. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz of Wilsonville. See more than 4,000 vehicles at Swickert.com. Well, how about Croatia? That's what people are saying at the dinner table tonight across America. Croatia upset World Cup favorite Brazil in the World Cup. It's a big moment for Croatia. I believe I have the Croatian national anthem. I can play it. That's how many years I've been doing this show. Like, I know that, you know, <laughs> I think we can, have, we can play the Croatian or the Russian national anthem or some reasonable facsimile. What's this one? I'll just play it. Croatia defeating Brazil in the World Cup, stunning them in the World Cup quarterfinal. According to their goalkeeper, Donovic Levakovic, he said, we were raised as fighters. He was the man of the match. Ten saves. Stopped penalty shot in the shootout. Croatia ended up uh, advancing to the World Cup semifinals where they'll take on Argentina. Anna, number two, go. Tiger Woods sending a message for people who want to compare his son to him. He's basically saying, don't. He's like, the kid's in eighth grade. He's still a kid. You're talking about Charlie? Charlie. He yeah. says, let him go out there and be a kid and enjoy it. Don't compare him to me because he's not me. He is Charlie. I don't know how realistic this is, but that's what he wants. The father-son duo are set to tee it up next week in the PGA Tour's family team event, the PNC Championship. That'll be something to watch. Don't you think that's unrealistic, though? Because if you are Tiger Woods, you know, you make millions and millions and millions of dollars. Doors open for you because you're Tiger Woods. Doors open for your kid because you're Tiger Woods' kid. And then you can't come back and go, don't compare him to me. That's part of what walks hand in hand with being Tiger Woods, is it not? It does, but what else is he going to say? He's his dad. He's trying to protect him a little and say, look, you know, I want him to learn from everything, but he wants to protect him from the current environment where there are camera phones and videos and everyone trying to put pressure on this kid. I don't know. I think it's unrealistic. I, th I think the bigger thing is like, hey, Get, he's only in eighth grade, should be the refrain. But, you know, Frank Sinatra Jr. was not Frank Sinatra. But Frank Sinatra Jr. still had doors open for him because he was Frank Sinatra Jr., for crying out loud. You know, and he got to play venues in Marvis Frazier. Joe Frazier's kid got an opportunity to get into the boxing ring and, and box and Layla Ali. And so some doors open for you and you get some opportunities because... You are the son or daughter of somebody who is viewed as great at what they do. But then you can't simultaneously then go, well, don't hold them to the same expectation. That's kind of reasonable, isn't it? Michael Jordan's kids, you know, they had some opportunities. None of us thinks they're going to be Michael Jordan, do they? Number three in our five at five. Brittany Griner's back in the U.S. She's stateside. She got a release from Russia. She got off a plane uh, that landed in San Antonio, Texas today. Got on the phone with the president. Got reunited with her wife. 
She's in good spirits and good health, according to the reports. I feel a little bit better about this than I did yesterday after the initial reports that Griner was traded for the Merchant of Death. Because I read some accounts from the family of the Marine who is still imprisoned over there, and they said they understood why. They understood that this is a game that Russia plays. They assigned value to Griner, not to the Marine, because they know that the public pressure would be great. It still doesn't sit right to me that an athlete, like if this were me, Anna, I'm still in Russia. I'm in prison. Let's be real. They're not going, hey, we get the radio show guy and the sports columnist, trade him for the merchant death. That's not working. But I feel a little bit better after hearing the Marines family say they understand why this was the trade. They don't think that their brother, their son, is going to go free anytime soon because he's being accused of spying. And Russia holds that as a big-time infraction, apparently. Well, that increases my respect even more for that family and what they're going through. For the Merchant of Death, you think we could get two players, though? They that, tried. That's just, that's just, that's where I stand. Maybe Bob Myers, the Warriors GM, should have been negotiating this instead of uh, the State Department. Maybe like a future first-round pick or something? We get a future person who's detained unlawfully. I'm not making light of it, but I am. Because what else are we going to do? Anna, go. Uh, this one's interesting. Grinnell Basketball, this obscure Division three school in Iowa, uh, took 111 shots recently in a game. Wait. All of them were three-pointers. This is a oh, basketball no. game. What was the final score? 124 to 67. The 111 three-pointers were an NCAA record. And uh, every single field goal attempt being a three-pointer is also believed to be an NCAA record, according to the school. Steven, how do you feel about 124 to 67? Um, this was actually close to being my peeve of the week. Uh, <laughs> so the fact that this is even like a story is crazy. Like, this isn't how you actually play basketball. And the team is now four and six. Like, they're not good. They do this just as like a, basically as like a stunt. Like, this is what they do. It's as a gimmick. It's not even real basketball. So, like, it actually really bothers me that they do it, that they play this. And I would absolutely hate to play for a team like that. Yeah, I, I think whenever I see stuff like this, I hesitate to give it attention. But Sorry. I know why people do. I mean, they're playing. They they got you, right? Yeah. Who else? Where'd you read that story? Sports Illustrated. Sport, they got Sports Illustrated and they got you. It's on ESPN, got, yeah. Also. In ESPN? They got everybody then. They didn't get me. That's why I didn't have it in my pee, because I didn't want to give him attention. Uh, not not I, giving him the time of day. I retract my private five. <laughs> well, at least, you didn't, at least it was number four. Yeah, not number one or something. Okay. <laughs> Finally, number five. I'll go to number five here. Let's talk a little bit about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, last night on Thursday Night Football, led the Rams in the final three minutes of the game to two touchdowns to upset the Raiders. 17-16, called it one of his career highlights. Playing at a high level and everything that you've done, how would you put this in perspective career-wise? This is up there for uh, all time. <laughs> this is up there, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I had 
Sean, Liam, and, and Zach Robinson helped me study for since I landed. Um, didn't think it was going to play out like this, but I am sure happy we covered the two-minute operation. My goodness. How, so, how, how was it, though? I mean, going to that just a little bit, tell us how you're able to learn that offense so quickly. Did they bring concepts concepts that you had had before, or what was the process with that? Because it was amazing. I was just telling Fitzy, uh, you know, originally I was angry about having to go through many, so many coaching changes and learn so many new things, but that for sure helped right there. Uh, just learning protections first and then just talking with those guys on offense about the, you know, the concepts that I like. And luckily I've, I run a lot of them um, and they put some good plays out there and put me in a good position to win. There it is, Baker Mayfield walked off a winner last night, headbutting his teammates, pretty big win on a Thursday night football game that had a, an exciting and dramatic finish. Anna, you saw him in the locker room. You saw the video. What'd you make of that? That was so fun to watch. I mean, his excitement and the excitement of his teammates, that was real. I mean, you can't, that, that was like movie script like, you know? Really, really fun stuff. And, you know, I, I we saw Tom Brady on Monday Night Football pull that off. Came back from behind, looked pretty dismal all game. And then we saw Baker Mayfield and the Rams do it. I think some of it is the NFL, just kind of the way the league is. It's designed to give us close games and present opportunities. But the Raiders did a lot wrong. The Raiders did a lot wrong in, in the last three minutes of that game. Had a penalty, a 15-yard penalty, playing press coverage on the last uh, throw of the game for the Rams. Baker Mayfield and the Rams win on Thursday night. Leave it here. You got the bald face truth statewide. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I had a listener send me a list of the bowl games. Apparently, he and his friends do this pool every year where they uh, take 18 bowl games and they rank the games 1 to 18, 18 being the game they feel the best about, and then they just pick the winners and then they hold a contest. So he sent it to me uh, just to kind of see what I thought of it, and it's really an interesting topic, I think, because whenever you look at bowl games in college football, you're always looking at which team really wants to be there, which team do you know is going to show up, um, and, and, oh, by the way, how are they better or worse? And it's why you often see the small conference teams uh, that, or maybe the teams that don't get a lot of the notoriety, have upsets. You see some group of five teams knock off, you know, the fourth or fifth place team in a Power Five conference. Um, I want to talk about a couple of the bowl games in particular that I'm kind of wondering if you're going to get a no-show by a team that flirted with the playoff. And I want to talk about the Cotton Bowl first. On January 2nd, USC is playing Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. And I have some reasonable doubt that USC is going to show up to play in this game. I don't know if maybe, Stephen, I'm just a hater. But all season long, I've waited for USC to not play well or get beat, and I'm kind of looking at the X factor in this game being, hey, it's a New Year's Six Bowl, but 
Tulane's going to see that as a major, like, this is a great story. The Green Wave are a great story. And a victory over USC would be incredibly validating for Tulane. But I'm kind of wondering if this Cotton Bowl um, is going to have USC have some players opt out or sit due to injury, including Caleb Williams. Uh, Lincoln Riley has not ruled Caleb Williams out of the game, but he needs to do some rehab. I, I kind of feel like Caleb Williams may not play in this game, and I'm wondering what's in it for USC. Like is and, and by the way, Lincoln Riley's bowl record is not good. He doesn't he doesn't prepare his teams to play in these bowl games and he, he doesn't seem to play he doesn't seem to go well. So for Lincoln Riley and USC, I'm kind of looking at that game and circling it uh, on my board here and looking and going, you know, this is the kind of game where Tulane comes in and beats the pants off of USC. Lincoln Riley's bowl record is 1 and 3. Uh you know, all time. He lost a Rose Bowl, he lost an Orange Bowl, he lost a Peach Bowl. His only bowl win came in 2020 when Oklahoma played in the Cotton Bowl and and won it against Florida. Um but you had, you know, some players in that game opt out too. Guys, I'm a little worried about USC. Will they show up to play in this Cotton Bowl? Yeah, I don't I don't think you're off on this one. I mean, looking at the spread, USC is only one and a half point favorite. I think Vegas has the same concerns that you do. Because what is the point of having Caleb Williams play in that game? There's no there's no bonus for it. You know, he's coming back next season, but there's no bonus to have him play in this Cotton Bowl game against a team like Tulane when, you know, USC all they had to do was win, and they were in the college football playoff. That's where all of their thoughts were going. To lose, to lose to Utah and have all those dashed from your thoughts and, and your dreams, and now you're going to the Cotton Bowl. It's going to be a 10 a.m. kickoff or uh, West Coast time, noon local time kick. I'm with you. I think this is a game where Tulane may put it on them, and you know their head coach, Willie Fritz, did not take a new job. Like He is back at Tulane. Has that program humming? I think you're right. That Tulane offense has been good this year. They went on the road. They beat Kansas State. They're going to be so excited for this game. I think. I think this is a, one of those games where you'll be able to tell in the first quarter. You know, maybe USC shows up, and then you can put a nice bet on them to actually cover. But it seems like it's going to be one of those games where we're watching the first quarter and Tulane gets up by you know 10, 14 points. You're like, this game could get out of hand. So I kind of think I like Tulane in that game. I like them to win the game outright. And I think there's a chance that USC – look, I think there's a chance anyway if USC was at full strength that Tulane could win the game. And I and I, I was at the Pac-12 championship game, and one of the national writers said in the press box in about the fourth quarter when it became apparent that U, Utah was going to beat USC, they said someone's got to play Tulane. And I think that's kind of the thinking that the Power 5 conference teams had when they look at the green wave. They go, you know, who wants to play Tulane? Like nobody's going to want to be in that game. USC's not getting up for that game. It's a cotton bowl. And they were thinking, hey, we are going to the Fiesta or the Peach Bowl, and we're going to play Michigan or Georgia. And all of a sudden, they're playing Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. It reminds me, I told the story before, 1998-99 bowl season. I was covering Purdue and Drew Brees, unranked Purdue, ran into Kansas State. Kansas State had been knocked out of the BCS championship game the week before. Uh, excuse me, in the, last, uh, in the conference championship game 
not the week before, but the conference championship game, they got knocked out of the BCS. They ended up at the number as the number four ranked team, and they fell all the way to the Alamo Bowl, where they played unranked Purdue. And Purdue jumped all over him to start that game. And Michael Bishop, the Kansas State quarterback, forgot his helmet. Drew Brees was on fire. Now K-State came back in the fourth quarter, played much better, but Purdue won the game. They upset. They were double-digit underdog and won the game outright. I, I feel like Tulane's going to win this game against USC because I don't think USC wants to be there. Another team that I'm kind of looking at is the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. I think Notre Dame has some of that same feel to it. Now, the Gator Bowl really wanted Notre Dame. They were in a battle to get them. They offered them some incentives. They really want the Notre Dame fans there. But making the Gator Bowl for Notre Dame, it's not that big a deal. And they're going to run into a South Carolina team there that I think is a little bit dangerous. And I, I kind of like South Carolina to win that game outright against Notre Dame. Another one that I'm looking at, it's a Pac-12 game. Pitt is playing UCLA in the Sun Bowl. The UCLA team in the last two weeks of the season lost to Arizona and almost got beat by Cal. I expect they're going to get a bunch of opt-outs. Chip Kelly knows this is a Sun Bowl. This isn't a big bowl game. I think Pitt comes to play in that game. I think they're going to beat UCLA. I think you have a few opportunities for people out there that are looking like, who wants to be in this bowl game? Another one is Washington in the Alamo Bowl against Texas. Texas is getting all kinds of uh, favor and love from the Vegas sports books because it's essentially a home game for them. They're going to have a bunch of fans there. But this is a Texas season that started with almost an upset of Alabama early on and has really kind of fizzled. Washington has 10 wins, is planning to win a bowl game under Kalen DeBoer, and, oh, by the way, is running into Steve Sarkeesian, their old coach. I like Washington big in the Alamo Bowl. I think they, you know, they're an underdog. I think they win that game outright. Uh, another one that I'm looking at, Oregon State in the Vegas Bowl. That, that spread is 10. I think Oregon State may boat race Florida in the Vegas Bowl. I think it could be a celebration like we have not seen for Oregon State in a bowl game since the Fiesta Bowl when they beat Notre Dame 41-9. to Look out for that. Uh, any other opportunities, guys, where you just look and you see a team that might not show up? Well, I want to get your take on the Holiday Bowl with the Ducks. Uh, it's, you know, Bo Nix is expected yeah. to play, but, you know, of course, same type of thing. They were shooting for the Pac-12 title game. They lose to Oregon State. North Carolina coming back with Drake May. He has announced he's coming back to North Carolina, so he'll be playing in that game. Is there a chance you think Oregon comes out flat? Because we've seen that before out of the Ducks come out flat in bowl games, is there a chance that it could happen in the Holiday Bowl? Um, I think, I, I don't know enough about North Carolina. In that, in you know, there's two nine-win teams. I feel like, you know, I, I'm picking Oregon in that game, but I'm picking Oregon because I think the Pac-12 was a better conference. And I'm a little reluctant, you know, because I think, I think right now you have some coaching staffs that are super focused on recruiting, as they should be, and next year, and not as focused on, you know, what happens in the bowl game. We've seen this phenomenon at Oregon before. We saw it in Mario Cristobal's first year, coached in the Vegas Bowl, right? He didn't. He, he, he cared, but he didn't care. He was busy building for next year and beyond. And I think Dan Landing and his staff are in that position as well right now. I think they're happy that the Holiday Bowl was later, that they didn't end up in the Vegas Bowl, for example, that would, uh, you know, kind of coincide with, 
you know, uh, overlap with signing day a little worse, a little more cumbersome. But I also think I think the Holiday Bowl is not as important to Oregon as recruiting is to Oregon right now. And I think Dan Lanning is already focused on next season. Um, I asked him about his offensive coordinator, um, Will Stein. How much time have they spent together? He said they they were in the building for an hour the other day, and they won't be back together until this weekend. They're hosting some recruits in Eugene. I didn't hear a bunch of stuff about bowl prep. They're focused on recruiting, as they should be. I got one more for you, John. Uh, it's, the, it's the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Cincinnati's taking on Louisville. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Louisville's coach, Scott Satterfield, he's now the new coach at Cincinnati. Yeah. He leaves one school, goes the other. And at that Fenway Bowl, for the construction at Fenway Park, both teams, I believe, are on the same sideline. <laughs> yeah, how, right. how is that game going to work out? I think it's going to be a lot of drama. But I also, you know, there's only about 90 miles, I think, between those campuses. You know, I think I, I think it's they're really close together. Um, they're going to be close together on the sideline. You are talking about um, some transfers that are going back and forth. Um, so he's going from Louisville to Cincinnati, correct? Yeah, that's. I mean, just such a weird situation right there. Uh, I'm gonna take Cincinnati in that <laughs> game. I wanna, if I have to pick, because I think you're gonna get. Not only is the coach gonna leave, I think you're gonna have, you're gonna have some players that are also gonna go. I wanna go on the other side. Ah, uh, man. Yeah, that's, that's a. It's just that's a, a weird game. It's just so weird, man. I actually, I you know, I don't think anything crazy will happen drama wise but something good and i am intrigued to watch that one actually. Well, it's unpredictable anyway because you know these are two teams that i would love those teams if they were playing against power five conference teams that are like i love the matchups when you get group of fives against like the fourth or fifth place team somebody who won like seven games in a power five conference against a group of five team that's pretty dicey and dangerous because the those, those, you know, Fresno State shows up if they're playing UCLA in a Holiday Bowl. They, they show up for that game. Louisville shows up if it's playing Miami. You know, Cincinnati shows up if it's playing Texas or North Carolina. Uh, but when they play each other, I'll sit that one out, but I watch it because if they're on the same sideline, look out. Leave it here. You got the BFT. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Here we are, Friday in the happy hour. Headed to the weekend, uh, every Friday in this segment, we give you uh, what is happening, what is on tap for the weekend, who's in, who's out. You get an injury report in the NFL, but on this show, you get what's on tap. Uh, problem here, I don't have it set up here. Okay. We, but, Judah took it out. I'm blaming Judah. Okay. Uh, Let me find it what we're going to say is, no, no, no. Stall. I, I, if I stall... I have it here, but I don't know if I can play it from here. I can try to play it from here. But uh, basically, um, what's Judah doing? Is he hanging around there? Is he's, uh, why don't we just do it without the benchmark? Okay. But it, the Independent Sports Bar sponsors what's on tap every Friday. 
check out the independent if you want to see these games but in the meantime I'm going to tell you what is happening. You want to give me a music bet, or you want to you want to hum some music? What do you want to do? No? We got it out here. We're going to pull it in here real quick. You're going to do it anyway? Okay. I'll just stall then. We have some big NFL games happening this weekend. By the way, I have an NFL pick that I like. We are not doing well with our show picks in the NFL. Let's just say that right out front. Yesterday, we had this big discussion on this show, and I feel like we let listeners down. We talked about what is our pick for the NFL Thursday night game. And we came up with over 42 points in the Raiders-Rams game that had almost no scoring. Hey, I felt good after the first drive when the Raiders scored a touchdown. Yeah. That's like saying I felt good when the Kentucky Derby gates opened <laughs> and there were about two strides. <laughs> it was know? downhill. It was downhill. And then it, the horse took a right turn and went into the grandstand. Uh, we got to do better. I have one for this weekend. I want to bounce off you guys, all right? Yeah. While I do what's on tap, I want you to chew on this two-team parlay that I was looking at. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to beat Denver, okay? They're not going to surprise anybody. And the reason why I like this game is because I want to pair it with a game that maybe, uh, you know, maybe needs a little boost you know, instead of betting it itself. I think the 49ers beat the Buccaneers. I like the Niners on the money line, and I'm going to tie it to the Chiefs over the Broncos. And if you do that on DraftKings, you can uh, get those odds to about minus 110. That means you're getting a uh, Chiefs-Broncos-49ers-Buccaneers parlay. I want you guys to chew on that while I do what's on tap. Now, it's time for what's on tap and what's on TV at the Independent. On the BFT. Well, coming up on uh, Sunday, let's start there. Early game, 10 a.m. on CBS. The Jets are playing the Bills. That should be a good game. 7-5 and five Jets at 9-3 and three Buffalo. Check that out. Also on CBS, same time, Browns-Bengals. I hope they don't give us that game. 10 a.m. on Fox, Texans and the Cowboys. Should be a cakewalk for the Cowboys, right? And... At the same time, though, a great game. The Vikings will be traveling to Detroit. Ten-win Vikings going to Detroit. The Eagles are at the Giants. That 10 a.m. window is really interesting with the Jets, Bills, Eagles, Giants, Vikings, Lions. A lot of winning teams playing ball in that early window. In the afternoon, Chiefs go to Denver. Will Russell Wilson have more touchdown passes this season or more bathrooms in his new house? Please discuss. Also in the 125 window on Fox, Buccaneers are at the Niners. On Sunday night football, it's Dolphins Chargers. Some exposure for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And on Monday night football, Patriots travel to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Guys, uh, that's a pretty good NFL weekend. I think we had some games. I agree. Uh, regarding your bet here. Yeah. Is my bet a good bet or a bad bet? I mean, I was totally wrong on the over, so what do I know? But what I will say is <laughs> I uh, I like it, but the only thing that worries me, John, is that you're putting a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy to beat Tom Brady. And I know it's a team game, and I know the 49ers are much better than the Buccaneers basically at every position. But, man, it's tough to say, you know what, the Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, is going to go and beat Tom Brady. I, I, that's the only worry I have, but... I mean, the Niners could just run it literally every play on the Bucks and just do it that way. I, I kind of think that's what they're going to do. And, like, defensively, you tell me who's the better team defensively, Tampa Bay or Miami. Who's better defensively? Mm. Peter, you got one on that. I would, I would say probably Tampa Bay. 
I would say yeah. Tampa Bay is a yeah. little better than Miami. A little better or a lot better? A little better. Okay. Yeah. little better? Okay, so here's where I stand on that. I think I think defensively, I think the Niners will hold Tampa. I can't see Tampa getting more than 17 points in this game. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where they're – I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. I think San Francisco is going to score in the 20s. I think Tampa Bay is around 17. That's the feel of the game that has to me. But um, And I'm basing that on last week, kind of watching the Dolphins – against the Niners. That's a really good I think the Dolphins offense is much better than than Tampa's offense. So I think San Francisco playing at home. Another week for Brock Purdy. Um I'm kinda wondering if we're gonna end up looking at and I could be wrong. Jimmy Garoppolo, um, what did he mean to the Niners? Was you know, what was he worth to the Niners? I don't know. We're gonna find out. Brock Purdy. Peter, you like my bet or you hate my bet? I like your bet. I actually, I'm not going to say I'm a believer in Brock Purdy per se, but this is the time of year when funny stuff happens with quarterbacks. Teams will try to shut it down or turn the page or look to the future. And uh, everyone's kind of banged up. Guys have been sitting and watching for anywhere between, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 games, and they're they're ready to go. I mean, we saw it last night with Baker. Just ignore the first three quarters. And, I mean, I think it's... uh, pretty reasonable honestly do you feel like tom brady is a threat to take a game over still is he like if you give him a window i think he can still beat you he proved it on monday night but he did it against you know a team that's eh. so this is a 49ers defense that i think is really good yeah, and it's the best defense. Yeah, they they are a very good defense, and we did see Brady again. What was it? Three left on the clock when he did that second uh, touchdown to to lead the rally. He's still capable. Obviously, he hasn't been the Tom Brady of old, but with the distractions. But look, I've learned. I'm never necessarily going to bet against Tom Brady. I like your bet. That does make me sort of uh, take pause a little bit. But I, I, I think he's beatable now. I really do. I like the Niners' defense. I think Brock Purdy can. Uh, you know, The team seems to love him. I heard Trent Williams' comments. It's like his best friend on the team. He commands the huddle. I like it. Yeah, the 49ers I- have the best rushing offense. They have the best rushing defense. Mm. How do you, Hottest how team do you in the league, against too. that? Yeah, yeah five pick against that. five in a row they've won. The more you talk about it, John, the more I do like it because, like you said, the Buccaneers they don't even need to win. Like they're going to win their division even if they lose some games. The Niners actually still have to win some ball games to wrap up the NFC West. Brock Purdy, if you're going to have a Mr. Irrelevant be a starting quarterback, the 49ers might be the best situation in the NFL to have that because, like you said, the running game is great. The defense is unbelievable. I think that bet's a, I think it's a good win bet. I don't know. And the only reason I liked it is because if you the Niners right now, I don't <laughs> I don't trust Purdy either. But I was looking at the Niners and I was going, all right, we gotta come back and give a bet for the weekend. And I was thinking, you know what, the Niners are like minus one eighty on the money line. It, I don't feel good about that. But I was like, how do you bring them back to more like an even money bet? And the way you do it is you tie them with the Chiefs. Like if the Chiefs if the Broncos beat the Chiefs then, you know, I'll just walk away. Then we deserve but, to lose, yeah. Yeah, I'll just walk away. But the, the the Chiefs are minus 435, but when you tie them with the Niners on that two-team parlay, now that parlay is you, it's minus 110. So that's why I like the bet. Don't go crazy. Tweet at me if you have a bet you like better. Leave it here. Five parting thoughts coming up. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. 
I love doing this show. I got to say that. I love doing it. We've done it, what, 15, 17 years? I don't even know. Lost count. Having so much fun, lost count. It's one of those things where people say time goes really slow when uh, it's something they don't enjoy doing and they can't figure out why time flies while you have fun, right? People always say that. Time flies when you're having fun. Why does time go so fast when you're enjoying yourself? And there's a phenomenon around that, and it's evident, I think, in sports. Games that are fun, compelling, interesting games, you lose track of time. You look up. You're like, oh, I don't want it to end. Like, I literally looked up last night as Baker Mayfield was driving down the field late in the game, and I'm like, I almost don't want this to end. It's going to end at some point. And I wasn't sure if they were going to score or not score, but it was it was compelling. It was fun. Time was flying. This show is flown by. Today's show is flown by. All week flew by. I feel like it was just Monday, and here we are on a Friday. Uh, coming up next here on 750 The Game, what do we have ahead, guys? Uh, yeah, we've got the pulse today. Big show. It's Friday, so you know we're going to cut a little loose. Oh, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, well, of course, we got to talk about the Trailblazers. Uh, Chauncey Billups a little upset after last night's game, but honestly, I sort of have to blame him for the loss. Got to talk uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, L.A. Rams legend Baker Mayfield. And one of the wildest stories I've seen in a while, thousands of viewers uh, of the World Cup trying to catch it on an illegal stream. In reality, it was actually a pixelated FIFA 23 video game. More than 40,000 people thought what? they were watching the World Cup. So what did they do? They Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They got over on people. They did. Well, stay tuned. Peter Sampson will talk about it um, coming up. I feel like that that sports, I, the Pac-12 is guilty of this as anybody. But they ask so much of viewers. They ask so much of fans to work so hard to try to see their teams. So I, I do feel for people who are watching streams or watching a stream of somebody who has a camera pointed at a TV or trying to find out where's my team playing this week. Um, I uh, um, I really feel like the Pac-12 has made it really hard for team, for people and fans to follow their teams and be engaged with their teams. And uh, in the end, I, uh, I am hopeful that the next media rights deal will result in pe- fewer people having to be stuck and I encourage you to stick around to hear Peter Sampson in the Pulse, top of the hour, talking uh, right here on 750 The Game about uh, the weekend and other stuff that is happening. Um, I am having a blast doing this show. I'm having a blast writing at johnconzano.com. It, uh, it has been so much fun. And I am encouraging people that, you know, today I wrote about the next week's big decision. Next Wednesday's a big day in the Pac-12. And it shouldn't be, but it is, because UCLA is trying to leave the conference and probably is going to leave the conference. But I talked to several Pac-12 athletic directors today who echoed and told me, essentially, that they believe UCLA is going to go. And one of them said, we've all kind of moved on, which I think is an interesting perspective. Um, I do think George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, was trying to downplay this week the importance of Deion Sanders, the media rights. He's trying to downplay the impact of Los Angeles TV market, and it's a big blow. If UCLA is allowed by the Regents next Wednesday to leave the conference, it's going to be a big blow. It's going to be a gut punch for the conference, but I think the gut, the conference is bracing for it. So I'm told that UCLA believes that they will either be told you can stay or you have to stay or you can go. 
It will be nothing in between. It won't be left as a decision for UCLA to make. They're going to be instructed, hey, we, uh, we're holding you or we're letting you go. I also think it's weird that they're doing it on a Wednesday. They're doing it in part in Los Angeles, and in part they are doing it via Zoom. I think it will be interesting to see how that sort of breaks down. But I'll be all over it, and you'll be all over it because of it, and then we'll all move on, and we can get back to talking about sports, hopefully, in very short order. Big bowl season ahead, big NFL weekend ahead. We're getting into college basketball in this show, and uh, obviously the NBA ongoing, the Blazers struggling a little bit to, to, to find their legs and, and, and figure out what they're going to be this season. But it'll all be wild, and it'll be fun, and we'll be all over it. But I appreciate everybody who's made this show uh, part of their week part of their day. I appreciate those of you who have been here for multiple years. It's humbling for me to meet people and run into people and say, I've listened to you, and I remember when John Strong was in that seat, and now he's calling the World Cup games, and uh, really do believe in what we're doing here on uh, Alpha Media and on 750 The Game, and of course I believe in the affiliates who have picked up the show and turned it into more than just a show that airs in Portland. I feel like uh, we've got a community here, and I obviously am uh, am grateful for the advertisers who who support the show, and and for those of you who support the advertisers who support the show, it's a it's an ecosystem that I think is a lot of fun, and it has been uh, uh, really fun to be part of it. All right, for uh, for Stephen and uh, the hater Stephen, and for Peter. And for Judah and all the interns and the production assistants and our staff of 25 or 30 people who work on this show every day, appreciate that you're here for it. Grab a podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to that podcast. Catch me at johnconzano.com over the weekend. And uh, watch the Niners and the Chiefs in that parlay.